this is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylock. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're going over that mountain, RJ. Hmm? We're going over that mountain. Which one? As we watch spine 287 in the Criterion Collection, Les Blank's Burden of Dreams from 1982. But first, how's it going, RJ? Les Blank? Who the hell is Les Blank? The... Give me more blank. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bless filled. <laughs> uh, I am doing well despite uh, that comment. Um, I uh, what's been going on? I'm out of quarantine. Woo! Nice. And so, so did you get your? Did you restock? On uh, my essential supplies. Yeah. I did. I was able to. And as I mentioned before, I, I didn't want to uh, put out the call to get things when I was so close to being done. And I had some people uh, comment on that. Uh, some There might be an email about that later, I Well, believe, I mean, but... I, I, I uh, yeah, uh, I was asked whether or not I was, like, be supposed to be, like, delivering supplies to you. And I said, oh, fuck no. No. I mean, I don't think anyone thought that was in the cards. Yeah. Uh, I have other individuals I could have contacted. I just uh, chose not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I have been restocked. Uh, I'm back to work now, and uh, my mm-hmm. uh, as as you will sadly. So, so, so you're back in the risk pool, eh? I am. I'm back uh, right on the ground floor. <laughs> oh boy. Ris- risky as you ever, wanna, my friend. It's like you want to get a little reinfected. You want to go a little nuts. Let's get nuts. (laughs) Well, uh, in the time that uh, I was uh, sidelined, there were two two other staff members who uh, were put uh, out for good. (laughs) They're dead. I can't I can't disclose that kind of personal oh, information. <laughs> Let's just say that uh, we're not going to be hearing from them for a while. Okay. Not for a little while. No, nobody died. Okay. That would be a horrible thing to joke about. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah, I'm I'm out in the world. And uh, hey, you know what? The the first day that I was uh, lifted quarantine. Guess what? That's the day that our, all of our IKEA furniture showed up. Because of course. <laughs> of course, it couldn't have showed up for the entire two weeks while I wasn't able to leave the house and I had nothing but time. It was on the day that I was. First day I was allowed to go back to work, it showed up. Well, I know I I got a special package for you here, RJ, and uh, it Excuse also it, it it arrived for you uh, on your first day out of quarantine. Really? And uh, said package is this of a uh, a content um, fashion? Wait, words? Words? What am I saying? Of, of words a, a content nature? Is it a digital media platform of some sort? It is physical media physical media and is it entertainment media debatable uh in in the in the in the classical sense yes yes well i i would like to say what it is but i don't want to give it away the mm-hmm. the big thing here is when is this going to be uh consumed do you think because i mean it'll have to wait until en- the end of voyager at the very least but but what what then no enterprise like do i make time like, like, what do I do, Jarrett? Well, you, you better uh, check on them quick and make sure that they're working. Who knows what, uh, you know, these are previously loved. Excuse 
Me? In, in one case, at least. So you better check them. Wow. So you're saying that I, I need to check these to make sure that there mm-hmm. is a, Int- that they are actually functional. In- intact. Intact. You know, I've heard some uh, talk of intact males once or twice. Mm-hmm. Are in- you intact? Uh, no. No? No. Okay. That's too bad, I, I, man. I, I was uh, I was mutilated as a young as a young child. Some people are, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's fine, man. That's just mm-hmm. it's the way the cookie crumbles. That's right. Or the skin, <laughs> the way the skin crumbles. Anyways, so I built a couch this weekend. That was interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah, you ever done that? How was the couch? How is it? Yeah. Uh, you take it out for a a spin. Cool spin. Uh, I gotta work it in a little bit. I gotta fire some uh, some things down into inside of the couch, mm-hmm. like gas. Yes. You, you know what I mean. From from your buttock. Well, I mean among among other things. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little stiff at the moment, but uh, it is spacious. Yeah. A lot more spacious than what we had down here. So uh, not a bad little uh, deal. It was. It actually it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. But it was uh, the hardest part of it was um, you have to uh, like the fabric. You have to actually like like shimmy down on all the cushions and like wrap it around everything. And that that was a little bit hard. That was tough. Well, I mean, that is your battle to fight. It was, and uh, I came out on top, my friend. But yeah, no, the couch wasn't too bad. We we got like a bedside table though, and like that thing was actually a pain in, in the ass to build. That sucked. <laughs> Where was it a pain? Yes. Yeah. But it, have you never heard that before? Uh, I think I, I think I have. I just, I mean, I just wanted to hear you exclaim. Pain in the ass. That's right. Great ass. I heard people want uh, more Pacino in this podcast. Well, I mean, there's not really that. Is there any Pacino in the Criterion Collection? Well, he's got a great ass is what I mean, Jared. No. Like they want us to be delivering more Pacino content. Is what I'm trying to say. Al Pacino Criterion. Well, I think that Adam Sandler movie, Jack and Jill, that's he's in that, and that's in the Criterion, right? Uh, well, I guess I guess the Irishman is he? Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That that was his break in. <laughs> that was it, huh? I th- it could be. It could very well be. Interesting. Interesting. What's your favorite Al Pacino uh, ass? Where do you think he looks best? Like, what kind of pants do you think? Slacks, jeans, mm, denim. Mm. I, I like the okay. I like the one that causes shingles, RJ. What kind of pants do do that? <laughs> the cruising kind. Wow, wow. Uh, so leather, leather daddies. Anyways, I built the couch. Other than that, not much is going on for me. I'm back at work, as you said, in the danger zone. <laughs> Be- so uh, beautiful. See, isn't that like the fun though? Of like, you, one day you'll, you'll just get another email, maybe, and it'll be like, "Well, guess what? Little Susie Anderson, she's got a cold." So you've she's, been close contact. She's again. Got, she's got the vid big time, and uh, and uh, you were in a room because that's your job, and now you get to go home and hang out for two weeks and get watched Voyager season four. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, there's like a uh, high risk, bigger, high big, bigger reward. 
Well, I mean, as long as I uh, avoid the danger at all costs, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, but you can't because you literally have to go to work. Yeah, I, I am in a uh, vulnerable sector that is uh, full of people. You are. But uh, what about you? Are you uh, still COVID free? Still uh, COVID free. Uh, it's 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 tried to like I've had like dalliances, br- brief passings where you know I'll get an email from somebody saying, "Hey, I can't come and drop that thing off because I I'm in quarantine and I'm getting tested later." Because my roommate has COVID, and I go, well, you just stay right where you are. Don't you come near me. And uh, then I have to like, explain the procedures of like what they're supposed to do next. Uh, because I don't know where they've been before they messaged me. And uh, those people might not, they might want to know. Hey, remember when we were hanging out the other day? Guess what? <laughs> well, I mean, at least they're telling you before and not the other situation where it's just like, hey, you know when I breathed on you for like an hour yesterday? I'm <laughs> I, dead. I died. I died. This, this is an automated response. So uh, mm-hmm. get checked. No. Friendo. Friendo. S- hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm avoiding death so far. And or, uh, you know, even I mean, hell, I mean, maybe I've had it and I, I didn't have symptoms. That's a possibility in this day and age. So it's definitely possible. I mean, in other parts of the world right now, they're like living clear. There are uh, no cases and vaccination flows like wine and uh here we are just uh waiting waiting for our opportunity those fuckers are you gonna uh Run, uh, running is gonna have that uh first come first serve 200 vaxes uh to whoever shows up are you gonna jump all over that uh no no i i imagine i think you have to be not gonna you, just you be have to be bath? yeah i think you still have to be over the age of 40 well, you're like 82, are you? Oh, not? right, I forgot. Yeah, no, I, as an 82 year old man, I'm, I have no interest in it. You know. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not I'm in no risks as some media outlet types. Is it many people have uh, many expressed. many people. Mm-hmm. It's got, many people. Have y'all, y'all look in the right places. Where? What are the right places? <laughs> the right. What distinguishes them from the wrong places? The right place. Well, the right and the wrong are kind of the same thing. If you catch my drift, if you catch my drift, are you saying that no means yes, Jarrett? What I'm saying, RJ, is we've got emails. Do we though? We do. Do we? Trey, Trey emails. No, like our 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 YouTube demographics uh, suggest we do not have females. I think that our uh, well that suggests that, but I think our Reddit demographic is also just suggesting that we not not only not females, but no no nobody people at all. <laughs> no, well, I, I I'm laying that one on you. Well, that's an amazing statistic, though. Two postings that have absolutely zero interactions. Two, like how is that two even? postings? Yeah, yeah, I did one in just Trek Normal, and then in DS9. Yeah, and both of them had uh, they're two days in and they're at a hard zero still well, maybe, how is that even possible one person likes one person dislikes i guess but like i feel like maybe uh you don't know the star trek base you're not tapped in rj clearly yeah clearly the, the people don't like to be called boys well i mean i it's a euphemism <laughs> to, to some for like you all do you get it? And there was a comment in there. Someone was just like, "Is like I feel like these guys 
paid to promote this and i was like well clearly it's not working if that was the case if it's at zero but i didn't if <laughs> I, anyone cares is that even it's not even possible well that's yeah because there were two two uh people and they were having a whole conversation about how it's like we feel like people uh they paid for this and it's just like hmm if it's at zero i feel like it uh it wasn't promoted but <laughs> we'll hopefully be getting a refund of zero dollars back <laughs> Yeah, like, come on. No, I'm not going to pay for stuff. Anyways, yeah. what's well, up with these Well, because, well, well, reference to what you're talking about, which many people won't even know, uh, the uh, the Supercut Part 1 of mm-hmm. our of all DS9 talk all the time. Part mm-hmm. 1, four hours and 45 minutes, was released on the weekend. Now, now, can you and, say... Uh... And RJ, in his infinite wisdom, is like, you know what? I'm going to try this Reddit thing again, because that works out great. Reddit, Reddit is the best platform, and I'm going to post about it, and it results in no buys. <laughs> so, Just absolute and, and guess what? Next week, part two coming at you, six hours and 45 minutes. So, Holy RJ, it's 11, it's 11 and a half hours of DS9 talk over the last whatever it was, seven months. How do you feel about that? I feel like you and me both probably just need to end it. That doesn't include viewing time. That's just, no, that's it doesn't. Just, that is just us talking about us watching Star Trek. 45 minutes per episode, 26 episode seasons, seven seasons. Do you feel like it was worth it, Jared? Woo. In your life? Woo! I know Rick Flair would have been into it because I know he was a big... Star Trek fan. <laughs> he still is. Because he's not dead. Not yet. Allegedly. But, I mean, Bam Majira is. The the Hulkster uh, said it himself. Oh, yeah. Said R.I.P. Oh. Bam. Oh, the Hulkster. When, well, anyways. When, when, do, you, what? do you find that it was... What? Continue. What about the Hulkster? I don't know. He, 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 I don't think he's ever guested on Star Trek, so I don't care anymore. Oh. Well, he, would he, do you think he would guest on this? Trek? brother brother yeah oliver granger oh yeah triple x files gross hi there creeps enjoying listening to j-dog discover next gen again fuck you rj for getting to voyager i'm currently on season five of ds9 it took me at least six years to get here (laughs) j-dog yeah it seems like a personal problem yeah that's uh that's OG problems. Lack of motivation, uh, drive, initiative. Um, uh, I want to have babies. Uh, uh, I live in New Zealand. Get, we make, don't have COVID. You, you, babies, babies don't do anything. Just make them watch Trek. Yeah, they'll exactly. Just, just like keep them there and they'll be watching. Be like, no, you got this is Quark. <laughs> That's Odo. <laughs> don't you understand? That's the emissary. <laughs> You think you think he could just express that to his uh, children? Who the what the emissary means and the sim- the Christ like symbolism behind mm-hmm. that? Or yeah, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. He's he's no idea. Well, I well that's what I mean. He was in New Zealand. COVID's not there, so he doesn't realize. It's like if he wants to watch Trek at an accelerated speed, he just needs to get quarantined for a couple of weeks. That's all. <laughs> there you, you do go. a season a day in quarantine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. J Dog mentioned the terrible fashion of NPC type characters in Star Trek. It's it's, yeah. it's so true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't get any better. Well, in what sense? 
Well, I mean, I, like I, ju- I just finished season five, and boy, oh boy, mm-hmm. the clothing was on on point. Or well, there's the what? one. There's the one guy I sent you um, who was looking like a dollar store Daniel Day Lewis. Oh yeah, that guy was a little bit troubling. Salmon pink, blue vest, just like my my word. And another, I didn't mind that, and though. another love interest for one Deanna Troy. Do you, do you see now what I mean? How they keep oh, they keep playing her? So many episodes. That's all they do with her and uh, Beverly yeah. Crusher. Like it's just always this love interest that her failed from the it's onset. Progr- mm-hmm. As progressive as Trek was, I mean, they just uh, they didn't write their strong things for their women. They just always shat, shit on them. I guess that's why. Uh, uh, I think the Kira comes out pretty okay. She yeah. She, she, I mean, she they, is. They, they, the they, best. they give her uh, some some crap, but I think that on the yeah. whole, she's the, so maybe maybe at this point I would start playing some Alanis Morissette. Um, uh, which one? <laughs> which song, Jared? Uh, d- does it have a title? Which one embodies a feminism the most? Let's take a look. Can Alanis. you tell me? More. So I'm looking up things. This is the looking up things online podcast. It's pretty good. I mean, yeah, we've never said that we weren't that. We've been upfront about that since day one, no? I believe. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, just straight up. I'm a bitch, RJ. I'm a That's bitch. all it is. Is with a hard B. It's not like I'm a B. Like ampersand. No. Money just, sign. Yeah, just straight up. It is this title of the song. I'm, I'm a bitch. Wow, hard, hard to, hard to, hard to take. Yep. It's hard to hear all these years later. But anyways, so Trek, yeah. Rupa yes. and I have recently started X Files. First time for me. Holy the shit. theme tune scared me as a kid and indicated it's time to go to bed. Uh, yeah, yeah, that uh. It, he couldn't have put it better. As soon as I heard that, I, I got the hell out of there. I said, all right, guys, see you later. I'm going to go cry in my room by myself because this is uh, too spooky for well, me. Well, you'll be laying in bed and through the house, the sounds would echo. And then mm-hmm. like you'd hear like the – because there's like the, the sound in X-Files, the spooky sound. It's like reverse <laughs> strings. And it's like a spider crawling up on you. It's too late. Yeah. I know. And then your parents, like, my mom was, uh, she's deaf in one year. So, like, uh, she would always have the TV up real loud. So, like, even if you were upstairs or something like that, you could just hear it, like, very clearly as a little kid. <laughs> you just hear men. No. stuff. You can hear the squishy sounds. That's a squish sound, if you didn't if you didn't realize. But that's exciting. X-Files is the, the shit, man. But it's been great watching a retro show grounded in reality, getting yes. to see the beautiful cars, computers, and fashion, something that is missed when watching retro Star Trek. True. True. Although Neelix just talked about the humidity and uh, in one of the episodes I just watched, so that's pretty grounded, right? Yeah. That an alien, uh, an alien with a mullet would and, talk about humidity and poisonous cheese. Oh well, yeah. I mean, that killed everyone. Yeah, it try, wasn't that the cheese wasn't to. poisonous. It's just it was nobody had the tolerance for for real cheese anymore. <laughs> some some uh, super lactose intolerance. They were just used to eating replicant cheese, so it was like they just they couldn't handle the real thing. That's all. It's pretty hard sci-fi right there. 
great. It doesn't, doesn't get much harder, man. And then Oliver wrote a follow-up email Uh-oh. called Hydration Station. Okay. Uh, number one, how much water do you drink? Um, my bottle's not here. You've seen my water bottle before, right? It's the big tall boy. Yeah. I, I don't, I'd say a liter a day. Yeah. That's a good, um, yeah. Yeah. That's but what I mean. I think it's a gallon is recommended <laughs> when you're, uh, Four when, liters? When, uh, yeah. For but, when you're like, if you're like working out, I'd say, I'd say one to two liters a day for sure. Yeah. For well, I mean, cause like, well, liters like. Yeah, well, leaders like not four, much. I'd like say four like, cups. So you yeah. want to do at least eight, I think, is recommended. No, I saw somebody like post something recently, and it was like a gallon of water. And I was like, whoa, that's a that's a heckin' lot of water, RJ. You know, there's such a thing as too much yeah. water. Like, you can drink too much water. You can. That is a thing. It is a, re- a thing. Yeah, but I, I'd say. What if you were in the desert, like we are, kind of. Kind of. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll take back my first answer. I'll say two liters for sure, because I, I, I do, I do drink a whole bottle and a half a day, probably. So two liters a day for me. What about you? Yeah, uh, the equivalent of that, yeah, I'd say. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're doing, we're doing better than most. A lot of people just don't, does, just does, flat out don't does, drink water. D- does tea count? No. See, I thought it did too. I thought tea and coffee counted because I was like, well, the main proponent is water. But uh, for a long time, I had this battle. Um, and uh, it has been made clear to me that uh, once it, it once it goes through those things, it is no longer water. It is no longer water, is what I've been told. What, what was that shit, the uh, crystal light? <laughs> Uh, I mean that that one's a little bit yeah like that and Mio or uh, all, like Kool Aid squirts. What about a seltzer machine? S- well, seltzer's a whole different ball game, mm. ball game, my man. Because you you got to pump in a little bit of acid, a little CO two in there to get those bubbles going. So that that's a whole different ball game, what, my what's, friend. What's the sound that makes? Hey, do you want to hear something? When I was younger, <laughs> Go and by on. younger, I mean like 16, 17, I didn't drink a lot of water, but I drank a ton of milk. Because I didn't like... Uh, you know, I, I think we've all heard enough about your milk consumption. So much. I just wouldn't drink water. And I was like, oh, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> and then I'd be like, I need milk. I drank like four liters of milk a day just because I was so dehydrated. But I really just needed water, I realize now. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't realize that. Andrea kind of told me that, but uh, it, it does make sense. Milk, is, milk isn't water. Cause, because, yeah, milk isn't water. But uh, it was at the time. Anyways. Number two. How do you take your coffee? Cream and sugar. How much cream I know, and sugar? Uh, like, a cream, a sugar? Two creams, yeah. two sugars? If I'm at home and I can make it how I like it, a splash of cream and then like a big scoop of sugar. Not like I'm not talking like a, a like eight tablespoons or something, but like a, a full size spoon. But at work, we have free coffee there, and uh, I usually just take it black. I don't fuck around with the sugar and cream there because it's all it's all like like open and like people are all digging their hands in there. So just to avoid all that chaos, uh, I just drink black at work. But at home, I do like a, a cream and sugar. When I drank coffee, it was uh, black with sugar. Ooh. Ooh. So you liked it uh, dark and sweet, hey? Mm-hmm. Just like Dale Cooper. Who? 
Agent Dale Cooper, RJ. Oh, yeah, but he he also like were you Dunkin' Donuts in that coffee as well? No, no, just, just chugging coffee. Oh, okay. So you don't drink coffee anymore? No. Oh, okay. I what would. about tea? Oh yeah, I have tea. Tea's, tea's no big deal. Earl, Earl Grey. Just well, like just, just like my man Captain Picard. Wow, hot. Do you, do you, Picard didn't drink it with cream and honey though. I like no. Earl Grey with cream and honey. Do you ever fuck with that? Nope. No, it's nice. I think it's nice. It mixes with the bergamot very good. Um, what was I going to say? Black teas have more caffeine than coffee do. Just a lo- slower absorption rate in the old stomach. Mm, you know that? That's important. It is important. It is important. You ever fuck with matcha? Uh, no. Andrew is transitioning to uh, matcha from coffee because coffee's a little hard on the old tum tum. Yes, it so, is. So uh, she's uh, she's moving over to matcha, which is supposed to be better. I don't know. I and think. finally, from yeah, OG. <laughs> What uh-huh. soda do you enjoy? Hmm. Oliver's answers are uh, for water. Heaps. That, that, that is not a measurement of water, Oliver. I just want to mention that. Uh, okay. For coffee, black and Coke, no sugar. Okay. Black. Yeah, so he's... Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I coffee, see. black, and I, then he has Because he, he didn't capitalize the Coke, but he did capitalize Dr. Pepper and A&W Zero, which I... I'm not aware as being a thing. There's A and W zero. Well, we have A and like we have diet A and W and diet Dr Pepper, but, but, we, but we don't we don't have zero up here in Canada. What the fuck? That must be a New Zealand thing. God damn. We just got Pepsi Zero like two weeks ago, so like <laughs> we're a little, we're a little bit behind. The Commonwealth hasn't been treating us right. We're we're a little slow. A little slow up here in Canada. We're a little, we're just a little bit behind everyone else. We just, you know, we're, we're not in a rush. Take our time getting there. Take our time. So soda, RJ. Well, you're the big soda guy. Why don't you kick it off? Um, I don't know. I'll drink any sort Sody of pops. diet Coke, diet Pepsi, Coke Zero, Pepsi Zero. Like I don't. They all pretty well taste if, the same. If you're given the option between diet Pepsi and diet Coke, what do you pick? I don't care. Whatever, no, you have whatever, to. Whatever's pick. coldest. Whatever's night, like without being frozen. Is that what you tell the waitress? Be like, you'd be like Diet Coke or Pepsi. Have you ever have, both. Ha, have you ever been with somebody who, upon being asked, say by a waiter, say they go, "I like a Pepsi, please," and they go, "Is Coke all right?" And they went, "Oh no, uh, just water then." Have you yeah, ever? I, yeah. Okay. I've done it. I've, you've you've done that, RJ. I told him to fuck right off. So oh, get that shit. Wow. Right out of here. No, I've never seen that. I have. have you? I have. Was like, it you? No. Oh. I, I, I was startled and kind of laughed. And I pointed it out. I'm like, wow, you are literally the only person I've ever, ever heard say. Been heard of. Express an opinion about whatever it is that's coming out of that, like, fountain machine. Is this a uh, staff member at the comic book store? No, actually. Was it a uh, WWE res- uh, fan? A superstar? Uh, no. Yeah. No. They do ha- uh, wear a do-rag. This so, person? Uh, yeah. I've wore a do-rag before from time to time. I, I, uh, Andrew wants me to throw it out, but I'm not going to do it. So I, I pull it out once in a while, like if I'm cleaning or something. Yeah. I'm not going to get rid of that. It's good. No. no this per- uh, it was, and it was, yeah, it was Pepsi, and uh, Pepsi was not mm-hmm. available, and it was this uh, no thanks 
I can tell the difference. Pepsi's sweeter. I yeah. Do you, do you remember? remember do you remember the whoop t- up the, days? Do you remember the taste tests in the malls? Yeah. What well, the malls? I remember the whoop up days where they'd have the uh, miscellaneous, and uh, I I always could tell Pepsi's sweeter. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they, there is a difference, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah uh, back in the the nineties, uh, RJ, the good old days. Bill Clinton in the White House. <laughs> With a man in the White House? I don't uh, think so. But, uh, yeah, I remember those taste tests. And, like, they'd have these <laughs> – we think back at it, you're like, oh, these, like, 19-year-olds who are like, hey, you want to do this? All right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've got two I've got two bottles here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it into this little measuring cup. And you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna sip it, and you're gonna say, "Can you tell the difference?" Because if you can, we'll give you a free pop. How about how about, how about that? You like that idea, huh? You seeing this? You hearing about this? <laughs> you like you like that? And then you oh. and then you're like, if you do it, you're like, "Yeah, mom and dad, I I got a free pop," and they're like, "Yeah, woo, I can't believe it." And like, because at the beginning of this, it was like mm-hmm. a big it was a big deal. Like there'd be like there'd be a whole display kind of like in the main atrium of the mall, and there'd be people mm-hmm. lined up, lined up. But then like or like they kept doing this though for like years, years, and it was diminishing returns. I feel mm-hmm. of like people going like, uh, yeah, I, I know they taste different now. Now I really don't want either. <laughs> or it's like, and then then they stopped doing it completely. Hmm. Sad. Interesting. What do you think? Yeah, it is sad. What do you think that? the creeps taste test would be um maybe that's a question for the listeners out there yeah what would be our uh, taste test what would it be our taste test to win a free pop so you're you're a diet coke diet pepsi whatever yeah either one um i mean on a on a rare occasion that you see it there's some like those uh, like diet cranberry ginger ales Ooh, that is some good stuff. My uh, before that was a thing on my mom's side of the family, at family gatherings they would always make that. Like uh, they'd have a big punch bowl, put in like t- a bunch of like two liters of ginger ale, and then some uh, some cranberry juice and stuff like that. Ooh, girl, it's good shit. No, it's good stuff. And uh, uh, diet Seven Up's pretty good too. Diet Seven Up. Yeah. Wait, diet. And I will say, diet Sprite is not good. <laughs> Mm-mm. I don't know why, but just, yeah. See, the distinction I always make, I think soda is clear and cola is dark. That's a good Is that is that accurate? Yeah, sure. I'll accept okay. that. So you, you have an answer for both. You have a cola answer and you have a soda answer. Soda. And now up here, they're both pop. Mm-hmm. They're all pops, but there's sodas and there's colas. You want a pop? You want a pop? Fizzly? Bud? Yeah. I mean, so... I will, I'll drink them. Uh, like I have a couple here. I don't drink. I don't drink pop very often, to be honest. Just beer. Well, so okay. So actually, reading what Oliver finished up here, I would drink Dr Pepper and A and W zero, but we don't get it here. So he's oh well, we don't get it here either. Well, we get Dr Pepper. Yeah, we have, but not Dr. zero. Not zero. There's diet Dr Pepper, but that's even hard to come by too. Aspartame. Aspartame. Because uh, we we don't drink a ton of pop. We actually just drink like a. Fizzy bubbler, you know, like uh, carbonated waters and alcohol. Well, yeah, I do. Not Andrew though; she she doesn't. Um, she doesn't indulge in the the libations. But uh, when we, the only carbonated stuff we have here is actually just like carbonated water. 
And then I don't really like the uh, uh, I don't like the ones that are like certain flavors like grapefruit or orange or whatever because they're like too like too perfumey for me. I just like lemon or lime or just plain without flavoring. So, but I, I don't drink them very often. I feel you. Just just these bad boys. <sighs> Next up, we have oh, a yeah. Facebook message from Ryan Alexander. Okay. And uh, no nickname there. No, not yet. Not yet. yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he writes, hey, guys, how you been? I had a few questions for you. Number one, JD mentioned his sad bastard holy trinity of Solens, Corin, and Zweigoff. Which Mm -hmm. films in particular of theirs do you really like? I know you were a big gummo boy. It's true. So uh, for Solens, uh, what would be my pick, RJ? I'd say probably happiness. Uh, that'd be would correct. Be my guess. That'd be correct, RJ. Because what two movies did I lend to you together? Happiness and Gummo. Yeah, and was that not the the greatest viewing experience of your life? Well, this was right after I had just gotten shingles because of uh, cruising, and then no, that this was bef- that would have been before that. This was are you before- sure? Yes, yes, because th- these were my handshake movies. Because uh, I, I was like, "Hey, you like movies, huh? You like you like cinema, RJ? Can we be friends? Here, I, here I'm gonna put it on the line. Here's some good movies, good ones." Well, and what happened then? Because I clearly didn't pass your test, <laughs> but I'm still here. Like, clearly, I was trying to steer away, steer away from this, and it didn't work. Well, I think I think you made a, a list of things that you did not like in movies after <laughs> these things, uh-huh. things that you're you're not a fan of in movies, things that. I guess, like, with normal people, you wouldn't need to mention. But with me, yes, you, you have to set up boundaries, because otherwise you don't know what's coming your way. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So those two. Uh, and then what was the third oh, one? Oh, uh, Terry Zweigoff. Oh, man. It's, uh, um, I would well, say for you. Crumb and Ghost Roll. I mean, they're just, like, he's only got the two, like, great movies. Louis Blue is, like pretty just much there i didn't i don't think i can't remember anything about it uh art school confidential is pretty shitty and yeah. bad santa is okay but i mean the, for uh yeah it's, it's so tough to choose between the two but bad santa is good i like bad santa it's, it's okay it's yeah 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 i think so Yes, yeah. yeah. So there, there's my answer to that. Number two. Good. I've heard you guys mention it in passing a couple of times, but I wanted to know what your thoughts are on Neon Genesis Evangelion and End of Evangelion. I just finished both, and I must say that I'm a huge fan. As someone who mm-hmm. has had issues with depression, I felt the psychoanalytic nature of the show and movie helped me understand myself in ways I have not considered before. Mm-hmm. Keep up the great work as always. Well, thank you, Ryan. Uh, yes, NGE. You, uh, you've. I don't know when you were watching that though. When we were, in the midst Who, of the me? show, yeah. Oh, uh, well, I can tell you because I did log the movies. So, uh, I mean, if it was pod, if we were podcasting, it would have been like, like first early days of podcasting. No, <sighs> I think well, you're going to tell me right now. Uh, I I watched it April twenty fourth. Oh, ooh, fuck. That's yeah. three days from now. Uh, 2016. So five years ago. So just before we started. Oh, the yeah. So just before we started the pod. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, rolling into and the And I pod. guess and one of the things you would have 
borrowed from me? Or yes. did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I borrowed your uh, your box set because it was my, at the time. Una- it's still yeah. unavailable. Uh, well, unavailable. the uh, original dub is not available. Now there's the, the new translation that's online that I remember in the early days people complained about certain uh, iconic yeah. uh, phrases uh, are no more. Well, I'm pretty sure Wong Kar Wai, uh, Wong Kar Wai emailed in and was like, it's okay. You can use the American dubs of uh, NGE. It's fine. He, yeah. he gave it the green light. Yeah, he let David, he let, uh, David Ulrich know. Yeah, he was like, it's and, fine. And David Ulrich chimed in, I agree. <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> Do you think he said it like that too? I agree. I think he sat I've back. That guy I don't know. <laughs> uh, let us know what he sounds like. You can uh, record yourself and send it in. David Elric? Well, uh, the fans. Oh, yeah, because David Elric doesn't listen to this, surely. Not yet. Wow. And we don't listen to him? <laughs> so it's mutual. It's all, it's all good. I, I see his letterbox reviews every, all the time. All the time. And are they uh, good? I don't know. They're just you reviews. You a big fan? They're just they're fun. whatever they're letterbox reviews. I can't. Yeah. They all they all blur. I don't know if it's Brat Pitt or Nathan Walker or what about Loaf? Barn Loaf. I heard uh, his reviews are the the best out there. Mm-hmm. The only real ones. Well, I've heard he fucking loves aliens. That's true. It's uh, one of the most popular lists of all time, Jarrett. So Neon Genesis Evangelion. I know uh, we, uh, yeah. we, we got uh, Frank Solano to watch it, and he wasn't that impressed with it. Son of a bitch. Um, I, well, I think he liked it, right? Yeah, but, but he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't over. The, he, he, he wasn't over the moon. He, well, he needed someone to fly him to the moon, Jared. <sighs> but, we, but we failed. We didn't. We just weren't there. We didn't, we didn't get him there with Frank Sinatra. Uh yeah, no, Neon Genesis. So, Mike, I'm sure I talked about it way back at some point, anyway. I watched that in 2001, summer of 2001, uh, when I was looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, started working at KFC, and uh, that was one of the first purchases I made was the Big Cube on DVD. Mm-hmm. That was like $100 at the time. I think at that point I had actually watched it maybe beforehand on VHS, I think, and then I wanted my own copy. That and Akira, because that's what you do when you're uh, – 17 going on 18 year old boys you buy anime so wait did you watch akira on vhs as well no actually i never watched akira until i watched it on uh that dvd that's for sure hmm. interesting and i've got the the nice black case that they used to have and now uh, i think there's a better 4k version of it out there now too potentially i don't, potentially, know. I don't know cartoon no cartoons uh yeah no neon genesis is great um you seem to enjoy yourself watching it it's been a while since i've done a uh a revisit of neon genesis yeah and yeah Yeah. and then yeah end of evangelion i think is uh, the last time i watched it is like really fantastic reminds me it's very like david lynchy in some some ways it is it fits into that same nebula of Mm -hmm. um kind of a little obtuse but once you actually realize what it's doing it's like makes total sense mm-hmm. I, think, I mean the first time i watched it i was kind of like huh <laughs> then on rewatch you're like oh it's just remaking the last two episodes completely yes correct uh some people really hate death and rebirth which is the uh the supercut 
of oh. the, the series. How come? I don't know. Just be like to get, to get people to watch End of Evangelion in, in theater. Because hmm. what if they never watch the show? Well, then you probably shouldn't be watching a movie on it if you've never seen the show, right? Well, that's why they made the supercut. <laughs> oh. Well, those are those things are above me. I uh, I have no comment on such things. Uh, when, when are you going to watch Mobile Suit Gundam, the uh, the original trilogy that they did? Uh, I maybe I'll just wait for that uh, live action Gundam that's <laughs> coming to. Is it Netflix or is, Amazon Prime or something? Is, is that a thing that's happening? I thought it was. Is that not? Who... Live action Gundam. Who's your favorite character from Neon Genesis, RJ? The penguin, yeah. Pen pen, pen pen. Yeah. See, look. Uh, director Jordan Voigt Roberts uh, comments on Netflix's live action plans for Gundam. So the man who brought us Kong Skull Island and the upcoming Metal Gear Solid is uh, also going to be doing a this, Gundam series. This this all sounds like vapor. <laughs> like I don't know if any of this is like, actually going to come out. Like a Metal Gear Solid thing, Mo- Gundam. It's like, are these going to happen? Well, I mean, the Gundam one might just because it's Netflix and they do whatever the fuck they feel like. But, I, yeah, the Metal Gear Solid is up in the air on whether that's the that'll actually be come true or not, I think. Hey, RJ, do you think um, anyone would watch a, a stream of us uh, live streaming, putting Gundams together and, like, and tip us? There would definitely be one person who would watch. <laughs> one, one man. One single person one, would watch. One, one man with a head full of sugar. I mean, it, it could be full of sugar. I don't know. I, we, is it? Is it? It's not filled. Is say. it filled with, made of, or just just a head that happens to taste like sugar? Well, I think these are questions that, um, again, I think these are above me. I don't know if I can actually answer that question. In my mind, the entire head was full, was sugar. No. But uh, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. We could start a Discord or a Twitch or something, and uh, you could build a Gundam, and I could um, I could just, I could be there. <laughs> for support watch voyager yeah i'll watch voyager and we'll be in the same room i'll well, watch voyager you, could, you, and you, you can mean you could you gundams. could you well you could watch voyager and make gundams make some zakus you know because what's, what's a zaku they're, they're the the bad guy robots they're, they look kind of like they look very soviet russia if you know what i'm saying like a red menace type stuff or yes yes rj oh yeah. see I, I i know history i read a book yeah yeah it was uh, called How to Be Good at Gundams. Char, you know, do you know about Char? Uh, I know a lady named uh, Char. Is that the same thing? Absolutely. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Good I, to know. Good to know. Um, Pen Pen's your favorite character. Do you, do you, yep. have, do you have a favorite angel? Uh, I did when I was watching, but it's... Uh, been five years so i don't i don't quite remember as much now mm-hmm. i did like the one that was just like an orb <laughs> just because i like i just i, I just like that one it was fun um i mean the first angel is kind of cool too i like the way it's a it's a, like hydraulic arm would work like you know when it punches in that thing was cool what about you hmm. i think there's like i'm not sure if you're talking, if it's the sphere one there's that diamond the diamond, yeah, yeah, I think that that's... one, that one's cool just because of the, because uh, it's different. I'd say. I was gonna say I'm like, well, I mean, uh, in my mind, when I think of 
Neon Genesis now, I think, oh, people should check out Big Man Japan. <laughs> oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, Big Man Japan's not bad. That's it's a, a mix between Gundam and Neon Genesis. Yeah, it's it's uh it's some sad bastardism right there too. Yeah. Big Man Japan's good though. Like uh it is. Well, I, mean, oh, I, I know I, I know you know it is. But, I know. Uh, it is. It is a good show. See? It's good stuff. And, and you laugh at me. You scoff. <laughs> I just uh, I haven't heard anyone talk about Big Man Japan in a while. Someone someone's got to represent. I'm just looking at what the other uh, the Ano stuff. I mean, a lot of people lost their shit over Shin Godzilla. Um, uh, yeah, Shin Godzilla is good. Yeah. Uh, good. There's live action Cutie Honey, which uh, I've never watched. You know what you is know, Cutie Honey? Cutie Honey is a was a manga back in the day, and then it got a live yeah. action version manga. Manga. Manja. <laughs> and then there's the there's Gunbuster that I've never seen. And whether or not uh, fucking Neon Genesis Evangelion like, 4 will ever come out. Uh, I mean, wasn't it supposed to come out like or, a sorry, month ago? 3.0 plus, three, plus 1 thrice upon a time. Is, is that it, actually what it is? Was that not... Was that not supposed to come out like in the aftermath of the fourth impact? Say what? 155 minutes? What? Jeez, I've... that's almost as long as a Star Trek episode. Oh, <laughs> I like some of these reviews. <laughs> I actually kind of want this just to be two minutes of Ono saying "fuck you all." Uh, the next one is this movie will parentheses not in parentheses come out. Uh, I mean. Yeah, that's not bad. I like that. I'm down with that. Oh my I could get God. down with yeah. that. Yeah. Apparently, the manga of Neon Genesis Evangelion is better, according to one Frank Solana. I don't know about that. I mean, I've never read any, but uh, <laughs> manga's for nerds. But no, you... I'm just kidding. I have a bunch of manga. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's right here. Big, it's right here. Big, big boy manga. There's my Junji Itos, and there's my uh, DBZs, and I have a Bat manga. I got all sorts of manga. Hell, hell yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start leaving it uh, like in places where uh, Andrew's family can find it. Yeah. Just so that they know that uh, we're down with the manga in this house. <laughs> Be like, you want to you talk about Uzumaki? Yeah. I'm, uh, and like... I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like They've never expressed interest in uh, manga, but... Uh, Maybe I'll give them Gyo. Gyo. See what they think What's of that. Or is it Gao? I, I like to pronounce it Gyo. Mm-hmm. I just think that's hey, fun. It's got that uh, uh, that one short story in it. That's all you need. Gyo. Yeah. I, I like the I like the Walker fishes. Yeah. Those guys. Are oh, cool. but in the book back of the book, it's got the uh, enigma of whatever it is in Unimura the mountain faults or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, that thing's that thing's uh, seriously cool. Spooky. Spooky scary. Yeah. Well, there's a whole melange of conversation for Ryan. Thank you for the, there you uh, go. Thank you for the message. Uh, yeah. Finally, finally, mm-hmm. big manga boy, Justin Peterson. Is that how he titled his uh, email? Yeah. I hope. I, I don't know if he's read any, but uh, he should. Not yet. He, not yet. He should. Check, yeah. check it out. Long live Justin's email streak. <laughs> Ooh, what is that kill streak at, do you think? I don't know. Hey, Jaren RJ, what's happening? 
Murphy's Law has been working against me today, so I will keep this brief. It just seems like yesterday when I was listening to you guys review every Oscar nominee leading up to the 2017 Oscars when Moonlight won. But gone are those days, which have been replaced Mm. by the creep Star Trek hour, or 11 and a half. 11 and a half, yeah. Fun fact. I took part in a trivia contest, and there was a Star Trek question. The hint was that the answer was from one of the lesser-liked Star Trek versions. I guessed Deep Space Nine, but if I would have listened to that week's episode of the Creep Star Trek Hour first, I would have heard JD's disdain for Voyager, which was the correct answer. <laughs> wow, I would have I would have guessed Enterprise. Well, th- yeah, that is, I think that is definitely the one that I don't hear anyone say too much good about. That's that's the black sheep for well, sure. It's in that in that Deep Space Nine documentary. They seem to be like. We're the worst, but I think we're the best. And I'm like, I don't, I think that reputation is completely turned around. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I think uh, DS9 was, I don't know, not maybe not as received as well, but it that's definitely changed now. I think people are cool with DS9. Okay. Anyways, so instead of mm-hmm. getting your thoughts on this year's Oscar nominees, I was hoping you could make some blind predictions of who you think will win in the major categories. Here is how I ranked the Best Picture nominees. He sent a letterbox mm. link, which I will send RJ's way now. <sighs> oh, I got oh. to open up mail from you. Well, I'm gonna, such I, I won't, spam. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, Facebook message you. I know, but that's always spam. No, Whatever you send me all the time. Something's asking me to install something. I'll just say, no thanks. On Facebook, it's asking you to install something? Yeah, it's like, well, you install Messenger as an app. Mm. Well, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. my God. Why is this thing such trash? All I'm seeing is all these Jason Kent, pro Jason Kent. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this is so. There's this things popping up that I've never seen before. But I got the little dots saying that cr- you're cross, typing. cross cross posting. Okay. Got I see. Got, got it. it. Okay, I'm closing that shit now. Okay. okay. Now I got. Now I have to open it on my end. Yeah, okay, I got it. Uh, best picture nominees ranked. Okay, so this is his ranked list. Uh, okay, so what do you know about these eight movies, RJ? No Mary- Mad Land. Nomad Land sounds like an Agnes Varda film. Uh, the only well, <laughs> uh, so here's what I know about these. That sounds like Agnes Varda. Minari actually sounds good. That's one I would watch. I do not know what Trial of Chicago Seven is. I do not know what The Father is. I do not know what Judas and the Black Messiah is. Promising Young Woman. I saw a lot of people give a very low rating. Whoa, on. that movie got nominated. People have been shitting on this thing. Yep. How the fuck yep. did this get? What? Exactly. So I, I this know is, people sir, don't like this that. Movie, this movie got nominated for Best Picture? Allegedly. And so did Mank, allegedly, what? which I also, uh, I mean, I know what Mank is, but I don't think Mank is good. Sound of Metal sounds good well, to Ma- me. But, uh, Mank in no way surprises me that it got nominated because yeah. it's the it's the artist pick, the, back, sure. the, the Hollywood's great backpack. But mm-hmm. man, promising young woman. I have seen so many people just dump hard on this thing. My letterbox yeah, I, I, is yeah. pretty lukewarm, but on Twitter, yeah, people. That this has got to be one of the first like uh, rape revenge movies that I've that's never been nominated. Is that what the is that what this movie is about? I think so. Huh. I kind of, but not really. It's not like direct. Yeah, it's almost like a vigilante movie. 
So it's like Batman? It's like hard, I think it's like hard candy. Like Batman? Yeah. Hard candy? Batman hard candy. I'm just looking at the actors in this and it's like, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I I've heard this movie's not good. So Yeah, I I can't believe it. <laughs> I had no idea. Huh. Uh so bruh, I don't know. This could be this is a weird year. To... I mean, Sound of Metal seems the one that I would be most interested in, but it, my money would be on Minari. Just, yeah. Just blind. I haven't seen a single one of these, uh, and I haven't looked into it too much, but Minari sounds like the the best pick, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I have to, I'll, I'll have to watch one of these <laughs> in a week. No, you won't. I do. Oh, Right. Because whoever wins, I gotta watch. I, I've seen I've seen a lot of people uh, racing to watch all of them before. I remember yeah. those days. Yeah, I mean, I think if there was ever a time to just get rid of it, this is the year. They should have just got rid of it and end the Oscars. Yep. No, oh, RJ, you completely misunderstand this industry. No, I know. I understand what it is. I just feel like we, as I've been saying for about eight months now i think we need to get rid of celebrity and entertainment and media and uh movies and so get rid of the oscars everything except this podcast needs to be get done away with clean, what i'm saying just clean house yeah yeah i think so interesting huh interesting yeah i'm just uh i'm very surprised that promising young woman is on that list uh <laughs> this is some like to me I was kind of like this is the sort of thing that a dead podcast would be talking about about promising young woman yeah well we are a dead podcast like look who well, well, nobody's even listening to this thing anymore they'd have the writer on the director oh we could we could get the writer on <laughs> sure we could uh, send I, him an email maybe I'd watch it first no no just bring them on and be like, all right, I watched well, this movie, bud, and I got to tell you, this thing is you know, poor shit. No, no, you, you talk about Voyager. You say, oh, I'm here to talk about Promising Young Woman. And I say, okay, that's cool and stuff, but ha do you know about Chakotay? Because <laughs> I would like to tell you about him. Let me about tell you about fucking Tuvok. Let me tell you about Tuvok and why he is he's cool, but at the same time, not cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I guess I should have an answer of some sort here. I think I will watch Judas for the Black Messiah. And the Black is that Messiah. a Black Panther movie? Uh, is that what that's about? Yes, it is, actually, RJ. Uh, yeah. Judas and the Black Messiah. I'll I'll watch that movie. Well, the, the, I like Lakia Stanfield. He's cool. The Father, I... Gaddis. People... Is that an alt? Is that the Alzheimer's movie with the uh, probably Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, sounds sounds legit. Yeah. Oop. Oh god. Uh oh, there you go. You got her. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I've been better. Spelt on my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was a little fuzzy, Jared. Yeah. Oh, fuzzy boy. Uh, Justin concludes, I liked all the movies this year and did not have a strong favorite or one I am rooting against, but Nomadland is the one that stuck with me the most and has some qualities of a Malik flick. Have a great show, creeps. Well, thank you, uh, Justin uh, Oliver and um, Ryan Alexander, I believe. Mm -hmm. More like Alex Ryan Dander. 
Yeah, that that was that was bad for even yeah. me. I think that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Whatever. It's a free podcast. People get what they pay for. <laughs> exactly. Nothing. <laughs> they get nothing. Plus, last week I was like, "Does anyone even listen to this podcast anymore?" And uh, clearly, only three people. So <laughs> those three people get what they pay for, right? Yep. Nice. <laughs> Hey, RJ. Yes? What you been creeping on this week? Y'all bad boys like Star Trek or what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sometimes. Right, Sometimes. Well, do you like Voyager? Uh, Not particularly. Well, let me tell you about it anyways. All How's right. that sound? Are you going to tell me about season two? Uh, Yeah, I'll talk until you want me to stop. How's that sound? <sighs> sure. Sure, RJ. So last week we got through season all of season one of Voyager, and uh, yeah, season one of Voyager is what I would label as a pass. I don't think there's anything essential there, so uh, a hard pass on that. Season two has some decent episodes. I'm happy to report. I don't know if I'll get to them today, but uh, there are a couple good ones in there later on. Uh, so we got two oh one, which I just called ZZ Top in space. Two out of four stars. So this is called the 37s. Uh, um, this is a time travel episode, Jarrett. Kind of. Uh, Amelia Earhart shows up. Uh, her and about like six other people from 1937 show up on a distant planet in the Gamma Quadrant. And Voyager takes them in. And the people say, hey, we don't believe that you're spacemen. And uh, an old drunk man tries to shoot a gun at uh, Janeway. It is fine. <laughs> I don't remember why I said ZZ Top in space, but apparently ZZ Top was in this. Okay. Uh, or not actually ZZ Top, but people who looked like it. This episode also has uh, the Voyager starship on the planet, which I thought was a strange image. Something that I haven't seen very, very often. Other than when it crashes. Yeah, well, we've seen the Enterprise crash yeah. a few times, but it's a... Uh, and. This happens a few times in this season, actually, where the Voyager is just actually, like, landed on planets. And I was like, what a weird, like, uh, thing. Well, you wonder if it's, like, so they can, like, turn off the engine and then they can, so otherwise they have to, like, orbit and maybe that yeah. uses energy. I don't know. I thought I, I thought orbiting, you're just, like, floating around. Yeah, you shouldn't need any, uh, um, you shouldn't use any energy in space and actually that was something i saw a while ago too where it's like even the impulse that they use you shouldn't need after that first impulse it should be a consistent constant speed because there's no friction or anything like that right so you shouldn't have to have you should only have to have a one burst and that'll take you until you hit something basically but that's some uh that's a talk for the big boys if you know mm -hmm. what i mean so yeah, uh, 1930s people in space, Amelia Earhart. Um, it's one of those episodes. Some what have you. Some what have you. So not much to discuss there, Jarrett. Not much to discuss. Maybe I can talk about this whole season. <laughs> uh, 202. Nog? Question mark? Uh, two out of four stars. So uh, what's his name? Nog is in this episode, Jarrett, but not as Nog. Like Aaron Eisen. Or R. What's his name? A. Ron Eisenberg or something like that? Not to be confused with other Jesse Aaron's. Eisenberg? Yeah. Or Aaron Eisenberg at the other actor? Yeah, so Nog is in this episode hmm. as a, a Kazon. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And, he was, uh, uh, like, is he double dipping? 
he was double dipping. He was double dipping, my man. And I, I hey, picked did, out his. Did you see that thing I sent you the other night of uh, the the first appearance of uh, Tom Paris? Yes, I did. But I was I was I saw it in the morning because uh, I was asleep yeah. when you sent it. But I I saw it at like six a.m. I just didn't reply to it. Yeah, that's... I didn't want to wake you up. Yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, I just like I, I just wonder if you hopefully you caught that very important moment. Uh, I mean, of like I, Frodo, uh, of the same actor playing kind of like also a dickhead. Well, as we've seen, that uh, seems to be standard fare for uh, um, uh, Star Trek, right? Like they repeat uh, their actors. Yeah, they love re- love repeat business. Yeah, that is definitely the guy though. Who uh, that's uh, that Red Squad bullshit with Wesley. So like even worse because it's like he's that's the episode, right? Is the Red Red Squad episode? Uh yeah, they're at the academy and where they, they they did the one they were trying to do the, the plasma burst trick and then Ed yeah. Lauder's there of mm-hmm. um, Death Wish three, <laughs> which is the best Death Wish. <laughs> it's uh, definitely the most entertaining. Mm. Wait, did, and did you, know, you know you know who's also in Death Wish three? Who? Deanna Troy. Really, as Deanna Troy? As Marina Sirtis, who is uh, horribly raped, and then. The, the, her father's told she'll she'll oh she's fine and then he gets to the hospital she's dead and it's so abrupt and you're like they're trying to go for something but because michael winner is such a great director he completely blows it and you can't help but laugh at how ridiculous it all is and then it gets oh. and then it gets more ridiculous well who hasn't been in that same situation do you know uh, what i mean hmm. where where's the death wish star trek episode were revenge is uh, a dish best served cold? I guess Rathacon. Yeah. I guess, right? No. Yeah. Uh, wait, so wait, in that TNG episode, was he playing Tom Paris? No. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. He's just the same actor. It's the same actor, but playing okay. that. Apparently, that, that they already started thinking about that and using this guy. And they're, they're like, like, oh, this yeah. Robert Duncan McNeil. This is a. This guy's the real deal. What a catch! He's got he's got the look. Just not 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 on DS Nine. We don't want to waste him on the uh, the underdog series. Let's uh let's put him on a ship, mm. make him an ace pilot. Yeah, we got uh Will Wheaton here with his rocking the butt cut. Rocking the butt cut? Could you explain what that means? It's uh when the the hair is just kind of parted right down the middle. Oh, I see, I see. Well. Some call That's it a, 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 a mush cut. Oh. Ew. Ew. So anyways, you want to hear about Nog? <laughs> yeah, tell me about Nob. In the episode Initiations, directed by Initiations. Win, Winrick Colby. Well, so in Initiations... Oh, I see that this is a Chakotay episode. This is a Chakotay episode. And this is a... Uh, this is one that... Um, kind of this season does dabble into uh the sky spirits a little bit which uh as i've pointed out before is especially problematic now knowing that it was just a white dude writing all this stuff um but so you see nog in this and you you i picked him out immediately just from voice because he's dressed up like a kazon and the stupid i hate the kazon so much i think they are like yeah the worst alien race we've seen before and i think there's an episode later i they are like they like i i haven't watched the entire well there's some pretty shitty aliens on ds9 
Oh, but but, uh, but these guys are they keep coming back. This is the worst reoccurring one. Yeah. Uh, and then in a later one, I don't want to give it away because it was my own review. But I, I do have I think I've nailed what the Kazon are. But yeah, the Kazon suck. They are so bad. And then in season three, I have seen what I I have I am firmly of the belief is the worst makeup in all of Star Trek for an alien and that's season three so i'll just i'll hit you with that tease for now okay Okay. uh but initiations is about nog uh this is a two out of four it's not really nog but uh, nog is playing a kazon kid who is tasked with uh murdering chakotay uh so chakotay goes on like a shuttle out to be alone so he can do like a, a spirit ritual for to remember his father and uh he, he needs to go off of the ship because he needs to be in, like, complete isolation or something. It's something like that, right? And then when he's off there, the Kazon people are like, oh, it's uh, that Voyager uh, shuttle. This is a good opportunity to steal some of their uh, – or to send a message. We got to kill their – kill whoever whoever's on there. But uh, Nog is playing a young – like a kid Kazon, and he's just not good at stuff. So Chakotay very easily bests him. Uh, and then Chakotay goes on the Kazon ship and the whole thing is about names uh, and about like Kazons don't get their names until they murder someone. And then Chakotay talks about how he got his name and his culture. So they're like they're like trying to do the cultural stuff. But uh, as I pointed out, it doesn't totally ring true because the person writing all this stuff had no idea what they were talking about kind of thing. Um, or I mean, they might have known what they were talking about, but they weren't part of that those people so it's a little bit like they're not part of the planet of people who were shipped off in the 23rd century so it's a little unauthentic and there's another repeat star trek actor in here uh buffalo uh or no not buffalo bill um what is his name i think he played he plays buffalo bill and joe dirt <laughs> do, you remember, do you know <laughs> no. who i'm talking about <laughs> no. you don't know who plays uh what is his name? Okay, I gotta look this up. I'm okay, so it. you know, in, in Joe Dirt, there is a Buffalo Bill joke, and he <laughs> he plays the Buffalo Bill stand-in, but he's not actually Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bob, I believe, is what he is. Oh, fuck, what is his name? Tim Desart? No, that's not it. Oh, Jared, he's not in the credits. Uh, is it Patrick Kilpatrick? No, and that's not it either. Oh, where is he? Okay, I'll, fi- I'll figure this out later. He's not in the credits, apparently. But it's that guy. It's the guy from Joe Dirt. And he's not the commander of the ship? No. no um, okay, wait. Let me just Google. Holy shit. Joe Dirt. We're going to be here all night, folks. Buffalo Bob. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Here he is. Okay. Who is this guy, though? Brian Thompson. Okay. What is it? What did Brian Thompson do? <laughs> do you know Brian Thompson, Jarrett? Not offhand. Not offhand? Why not? Oh, wait a minute. He, he's oh, been in fuck, Star he's Trek in a every, bunch. He's in fucking every yes. show. Yeah, I didn't he, know his, remember his name, though. He's the, isn't he like the the bad guy in uh, Cobra? Mortal, no, Cobra. Well, he is in Cobra, but yeah. in Mortal Kombat 2, he is also the bad guy. Uh, yeah, Brian Thompson's awesome. Uh, he's, he's, he's always uh, the heavy yeah, yeah, and he's he's in Dragonheart. Yeah, this dude's all over the place. But he's he's been in Star Trek a few times. He was a Klingon once or twice, I think. He was well, how an RJ X Files. He's the bounty hunter. He is the bounty hunter. He's also in Street Hawk. He's uh, <laughs> he's a whole bunch of characters on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
Yeah, yeah, this dude's been all over the place. Ooh. He was in DS9 as two-man Torox in Galatu. So he was maybe a Ferengi even. He was in the Rules of Acquisition episode. But yeah, he was a Klingon in uh, um, in Generations even. He was one of the Klingon Klingons. Helm. Oh, shit. Do you remember Kindred the Embraced? Or was that uh, too late for you as far as your age because that was 1996 is that what it was called kindred, kindred the, no it was, I don't, TV, uh, it was kindred the embraced it was a yeah. uh, it, it played on ctv back when and mm-hmm. then it was on like there's only like 12 episodes and i think they played it on space a whole bunch he was eddie mm-hmm. fiore it was uh it's vampire the masquerade is what it is it's uh no it's I mo- don't know. Mo- modern day vampires but yeah, he was on that oh okay yeah, no, I, I didn't I didn't know him from that. I just know him as Shao Kahn from uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, so he was in Buffy. He was in... I, I just bring it up because he, he was a Klingon and a bunch of stuff. And this dude's been all over the place, man. All over. He's one of the real stars. He is. He is. But anyways, I mean, he doesn't have a huge role in this. But he's there as a Kazon. But he had a huge part of this episode. Uh, well, clearly... Uh, now, but uh, this episode is fine. It's not bad. <laughs> Outstanding. It's not bad. It's fine. I mean, that's my general takeaway from most of Voyager now is everything is fine. Uh, except for 203, Reg is back, baby. Three out of four stars. Do you know who this is directed by? No. Jonathan Frakes. Oh, well, see, that's why it's you so know, good. You know, because this is when he's going, to, he's going to start turning into his namesake uh, or his like more his visage Orson Welles uh, Jonathan Frakes mm-hmm. which uh, next week RJ we're going to be talking about F for fake or perhaps F for Frakes F for Frakes that would be that should be the that, movie you that, make that Jared. is a Rob Eagle criterion mock-up of F, F for, for Frakes, Frakes? Oof, that would be hit me too with too it sweet hit us with it it's so easy he's got to find a nice close-up of him Get the right filter on there. Some just some nice uh, font selection. Make it so. Just and you know, just have fun with it, right, Jared? Yeah. Do exactly just, what I'm telling you and have fun. It, God damn it. Just have and make sure you have fun. Uh, so this is a good episode. Project, projections. Yeah, the doc. It's a doctor episode. Yeah, it's good for two reasons. One, it's a doctor episode. Two, Barkley is back baby reg himself is here i was not expecting him i didn't realize he was in voyager so i was pleasantly surprised so the doctor reginald uh, barkley has the same initials as you rjb red rb red reg i could be like rj you'd be like red i call you reg now can i call you reg if you want i won't respond but if you want you can definitely call me that and so your last name i'll call you barkley those will be our uh, mirror universe versions, Reg and Garrett. Garrick? Garrick. Garrett. And, I'll, I'll be Garrick. You could be Garrett. Oh, there's some Gerods that show up on Star Trek, and they're always uh, jobbers. It's it's really cool. Oh yeah. Yeah, Jarod and Jarat, and Jarrod. it's always like, oh, this guy, this guy's uh, a one timer. They always really emphasize the first like J Rod, Jarod, like that. Continue. Uh, yeah, so uh, this is a Doctor episode where, um, what's going on in this? I think the ship is like in total lockdown and the Doctor is the only guy left. Um, and then what happens is Reg pops up and Reg is like, listen, buddy, you are the you are a real Doctor. 
but you're stuck in a simulation where you think you're on Voyager, but Voyager isn't a real thing. You're, it's like, you're just the doctor. What's you're, uh, what, what's the doctor's real name? Something Zimmerman. He's like, you're Dr. Zimmerman. He's like, you just been stuck in this, uh, um, this play world. You're on a hollow deck and it's Reg. He's like, I helped you make it, man. So one thing I'm noticing here that's pretty weird is the star dates in season two are not in order of episodes. They're, they're off. In like season one, star I just. Star dates? The star dates. The calendar. Because okay. you know they always do star yeah. dates. And yeah. they're in order. That yeah. in season two, these star dates are not in chronological order. So they just say fuck it and they thought no one would notice or? Yeah, but I mean, I would never notice it until it's like laid out plain. But yeah, they're all off. <laughs> it's very. Pecu- I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this. What's happening? So are they saying that the episodes do not happen in chronological order? That's what the star date would suggest. Well, that's problematic. <laughs> like, for many reasons. Well, and this is weird, too. The last four episodes of season one were moved to season two. The e- Oh, weird. So the, the 37s was originally going to be season one's finale. Okay. Oh, wow, that one's so, a good finale either. No, okay. So, yeah, okay, this is weird. I just cuz I just happened to notice this. Uh so the last four episodes, I guess, for season 1 would have been in order, if I get this right, would have been projections. Yeah. Followed by the next episode, which is Egoium or Elogium? Elogium? Elogium. Yeah, okay. That would have been, okay. That would have been that. And then it would go to Twisted, the sixth episode. (laughs) Okay. And then uh, the 37s would be the last episode of season one. Huh. And so that's why season one was shortchanged? Yeah, yeah. Season two is only 20, or like 26, like normal though. Yeah. So maybe they, they just, well, we got 26, so we're good now. Man, the 90s always did that, eh? And, like, I mean, they still do that now where they show episodes out of, like, filming order. Fuckers. It's confusing. Well, is it? I mean, until I mentioned it, you would have never noticed. Well, it's not in this, but in other shows, it's confusing. Yeah. Um, No, in this, it doesn't matter. But, uh, no, this episode's not bad, Jared. It's a doctor episode. And, yeah, like I said, it's a... They're trying to convince the doctor that he is in an... Uh, that he's real, and he's like, you gotta, you you have to ca- like cl- cancel the program, and you have to wipe it because it's the only way you'll wake up from the simulation, kind of thing. But Jared, it's just not what it's not reality, man. Uh oh, it's just not reality. But yeah, not a bad episode, not a bad episode. And then we have two point oh four, space insemination. Two out of four stars. Oh boy! This is this is a gross episode <laughs> <laughs> that takes place inside of a space uh, germ, and uh, there's lots of talk of at, like I'm not just saying that to be gross. They actually talk about uh, like space insemination, and I was like, "You can I can I read uh, the synopsis here? You can." And uh, there's a, there's a pretty popular Tuvok uh, screen cap from this episode. Space-dwelling life forms cause Kess to enter the Ocampin fertile phase called Elogium, putting pressure on her relationship with Neelix when she wants to have his child. Okay, so this is what happens. Is this like uh, the story of Travis Brown in 
Ronda Rousey, who just announced that they're four months pregnant? It could have been. But uh, it doesn't actually take for Cass, but uh, it could have been. So this is another episode where Voyager goes into another, into an alien species. Of course. uh, Because it's just, that's their thing. Uh, And the species try to mate with the ship Voyager. And then at the end, uh, Tuvok has a uh, classic zinger where uh, once they actually do repel the, uh, like the sexual advances of these things uh, bumping up into the ship, Tuvok goes, it appears we've lost our sex appeal. And then pause for laughter, Jared. Pause for laughter. So, yeah, they're inside the space germ, and uh, everything's trying to mate with the ship. Uh, and then it makes Kess go into a reproductive cycle. Uh, and then, like, I don't know, they, they tried to alien it up where it's just like the, the process is four days long and her, her hands get webbed. It's like our hands will be connected for four days and we cannot break and stuff like that. And it's all about, like, Neelix, are you ready to be a dad? And he's not at first year, but then he is. But then it's too late. It's too late. Mm-hmm. So this is not a good episode. You know, uh, how does it compare to the episode where of Next Generation where Professor X and Jean Grey were going to bone down? That episode's miles <laughs> head and shoulders above this episode. Yeah, yeah sounds like yeah. it. Sounds like it. Well, this is a Kess and Neelix episode, and nobody wants a Kess and Neelix episode, Jared. Nope. But, nobody. But, but they're contractually obligated for – got to throw some Kess your way. I mean, yes, but uh, not not great. Not great. So anyways, then we go to 205. Harry Kim gets kidnapped again. One out of four stars. <laughs> so uh, our Wang watch it ha- is getting updated to – Four kidnappings in, currently in, tw- in twenty-one episodes. In twenty-one episodes, uh, Garrett Wang has been kidnapped, or Harry Kim has been kidnapped a uh, grand total of four times. Wow! So it is a plot beat that uh, uh, halfway through season three, I can firmly say they just couldn't get enough. They said we just got to kidnap Harry Kim again and again and again. This episode. Blows. <laughs> okay, Blows. so this is yeah, non sequitur. Harry Kim wakes up in 24th century San Francisco with no mm-hmm. record of him on Voyager. Yeah, and it's one of those things. It's like the amnesia, like brainwash thing where they're like, he's like, well, I, I've been on Voyager. And they go, there is no Voyager. And like, I realize I, I was just talking about the Doctor episode that I liked. I liked that one, but normally I don't like these things. This one with Harry Kim, it's just like, nah, it's like, this isn't what I'm about. Because at this, because you just know, right? You're like, yeah. none of this, none, whatever happens in this episode, none of it yeah, will matter. It, it'll be a status quo. It's yeah. like, unless this is going to like build up Harry Kim, because isn't that what it's really about is getting to see his home life and him essentially play, him playing on his instruments and yo know, on his flute. Um, yeah. Well, see, and that's what I mean. the doctor episode actually builds his character a little bit because they are building the doctor. But for this Harry Kim episode, like, nobody cares harry kim so he wakes up in san francisco he's with his girlfriend and then like everyone thinks he's crazy and then uh at the end of it it was all a dream oh so he wasn't even kidnapped well it was like i think they played off it's like well aliens they were playing in your brain it's (laughs) it's one of those dumb things like A, a star trek thing it's a star trek thing yeah so this episode really sucks 
uh, and I didn't care for it. Moving on. Moving along. Uh, 206. Um, Janeway gets a big stretchy arm. Two out of four stars. Ooh, twisted. You... <laughs> uh, so this it's not it's not a bad one. Everyone gets lost, uh, like like literally. It's kind of like um, like uh, how do you describe? So it's this? a haunted. Uh, is it a haunted house in space? Yes. Yeah, where it's like uh, I think Tuvok and someone else are just walking the hallway forever. So they're just walking and walking, and it's the hallway never ends. And they go, hey, shouldn't this hallway end at some point? So everyone gets lost. It's not, it's actually not a bad episode. It's a it's a high two out of four, but it's still a two out of four because it's like, yeah. Uh, but the the main takeaway is there's a point where Janeway reaches into something and her arm gets really really long, and I go, oh yeah, tomb, tomb style. Uh, yeah, kind of like, not as good as tombs. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a Freddy arm, like when Freddy's arms get really big. Oh, you know, yeah. Freddy from uh, the Star Trek universe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as you put it, I think that that's a good way. A haunted house episode. Um, it's not bad, but, uh, th- those are my only takeaways. The only note I made was that Jane Lake gets a big stretchy arm. Okay. So not too bad. That was twisted, Jarrett. Twisted. Uh, and then we get, uh, 207. Neelix and Tom Paris become dads. <laughs> One out of four stars. And this is directed by Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> This is no good. Neelix and Tom Paris fight over Kess, but are sent on an away mission together. This episode is all kinds of bad. Partnerition? The uh, partnerition? (laughs) Yeah. So it starts the first 10 minutes. They're trying to make uh, Tom Paris and Kess a thing, and it's just like, it's like, who cares? And that that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, um, but it's just to create conflict, I suppose. Ooh. Yeah, conflict, Jarrett. That will be resolved by the end of the episode. And it is. Uh, so it's creating conflict, and then uh, Neelix and Tom Paris go on an away mission where a dinosaur hatches, and uh, they become its surrogate parents for about 20 minutes. And then uh, as soon as the parents... And then that, they resolve their issues... And then the dinosaur parent comes back, and then they beam out. And uh, that's the end of the episode. And then they're friends now. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, this episode is all kinds of horrible, just because <laughs> I I honestly, I can't stand Tom Paris. I think he, he sucks well, so much. You know, only five more seasons. seasons. I, I, uh, I don't do this often, but I looked up to see if he was in the show the whole time because it was like, I kind of hope this guy dies. Uh, but he's not. He is in every episode. And I went, sigh, <laughs> sigh. Damn. He, he doesn't get Tasha Yard out. Uh, no, which I was hoping he would. But uh, oh, well. So anyways, moving right along. Uh, 208. Uh, Bridgerton takes the bridge. That's that new hot popular show, Jared, because Janeway is in the Bridgerton world. Uh, and then uh, Janeway gets hysterical. Two out of four stars. <laughs> Are you noticing a trend in uh, the episodes here? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is persistence of a vision, and it's this one's actually um, it's not bad. Uh, so this is where we have the hollow novels. So Janeway oh. is in her uh, her Bridgerton like Downton Abbey style uh, hollow novel, where she's in Victorian age. Um, but then what happens is she starts seeing these things 
outside of the hollow deck. They're just like in in the hey, ship. Speaking of hollow decks and Jonathan Frakes, uh, uh-huh. it, it, going to that episode with uh, Famke Jansen, there's a bit where like Riker goes, "I'm going to go to the hollow deck right now," and you're like, "Oh shit, he's going to go jerk off." <laughs> like they 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 just they, that, I think that has to be one of the, the first time anyone's just totally talked about you know they're going to beat their meat on star trek well jared do you i think you should watch that uh that uh what's that lady who made them uh robert pence and uh, high life i can't remember what, what lady it is but that horrifying fluid focused film about uh so where does well, it, well i mean this gets brought up more in ds9 when they start like, yeah when they really i guess even at this point like barkley was like living out fantasies on the holodeck and mm-hmm. it's it's like oh yeah people would definitely do that Oh yeah, like well, yeah. like, and you can make make people whoever you want them well, to be, and you would think that there might be like that was certain... the issue, right? Right. Well, because Barkley, yeah, cause he didn't have like, consent, which is the question of exactly. uh, of, of your fantasies, and uh, it's like, don't you think the holodeck might need some security to make it so you can't be like, make it look like people? Well, I mean, because think, think about like think about the who are part of the crew. Think about, well, what about, what about age, RJ? Wow! Would Star Would Star Trek go down that road? <laughs> I, I get, get into uh, get to, get into but... get into uh, Tom Flanagan territory. Look look him up, folks. He's a, he's a real he's the one of the brainchilds behind a, a former prime minister of Canada. Think which one? <laughs> Harpo. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to look it up, but uh, yeah, that is. It's what it kill, it's what ended his career, and when he spoke here, as a matter of fact, off hours on a and they got caught on cell phone. He was talking about how he would like to be in the hollow deck the- because he would make certain things t- t- pop t- up. Talking of theoretical,s not for himself, but just saying, "Well, you, you well, what is against the law? <laughs> what if it's a drawing?" And you're like, "Huh?" So I just thought, "Hmm, hollow decks and consent and depictions." And you go, "Oh, oh dear, oh dear." Well, if anyone's gonna push that line, it's it's a uh, horny writer. <laughs> where's that? Where's that novel? I'm sure it exists. Oh, what, there's no. 700 oh, Star there's, Trek oh, fuck, novels. Oh I'm... fuck! Well, no, it's not published. There's definitely there's probably another like two thousand novels at least written by the fans. Where Riker, Quark, and uh, Tom Paris all go into a hollow deck together, and uh, some <laughs> real shit happens, and, but, or... and, and they get stuck in the hollow deck. Yeah, and then they have to. <laughs> you can fill in. We're, the go, we're going to have to fight our way out. Fight each other, mm-hmm. naked. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about this episode. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oh, so did our our episode uh, outdo it? Yeah, yeah. So well, it's just the hollow novel characters start coming out on the bridge and then uh, the entire Voyager crew thinks Janeway is hysterical. And I think they even use that word. You're hysterical. She's got woman fever. She can't control her emotions. It's like one of those things. And you're just like, okay, it's not, I actually, I didn't, I didn't mind the, uh, the concept of like the hollow deck things like taking over. That was kind of cool, but uh, they don't, uh, they don't fully go for it. So it's, it's it's okay. It's decent, but it's nothing uh nothing that must be seen, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like all of Voyager. Pretty much all of Voyager. Uh kind of like the next episode, two oh nine, Sky Spirits. 
Uh, and then I, I didn't rate this one because it's a whole lot of uh, white indigenous people. So this is a Chakotay episode about his home world, but mm-hmm. we get a lot of uh, red face in this one, Jared. Tattoo. Chakotay encounters non-humans who have the same tattoo on their foreheads that he has. Which seems like it will be a bigger thing coming up. And if it's not, then this episode is meaningless. But it, it is, it's a good Chakotay episode because it's about his character. But uh, there is, there's a lot of guys like you and me who uh, they, they put a lot of blush on, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it's problematic in that sense. But uh, it, it does, it does move Chakotay's, uh, epi- or like his story along a little bit like who he was and why he has a tattoo and what that means so like that stuff's okay you know the chakotay stuff is okay but yeah problematic to say the least if you know what i mean jerb if you know what i mean i'm hearing it that's all i have to say about that okay (laughs) man we're just flying through voyager okay uh 210 a sharp piercing noise for several minutes Two out of four stars. There is a loud, obnoxious, and it goes on for minutes, Jarrett. Minutes. And I know I exaggerate stuff, but I'm not exaggerating. It's like, you know how I don't like when phones ring in TV and movies? This is like that, but instead of a phone ringing, it's just for i think two and a half minutes mm-hmm. uh there is one upside to this uh cass cronenberg's tuvok which is pretty cool so she has like uh so this is cold fire and what's happening is this is connecting to the caretaker mm. and the okampa who what which is what Kess is she's an okampa uh so they meet other okampa people and uh they're like hey Cass." you know that you have like psychokinetic powers, right? And she's like, not really. I'm Cass. I didn't know I could do that. So they're like training her to do these things. And she talks like this. I'm Cass. Let me talk. Let me help you, doctor. Let me help you. I'm a telepath. Yeah. So there, this is a Cass episode, Jared. And so they're like building it up and there's this, fake tension built in where the Okampa people are like, Cass, why don't you come live with us? Be with your own kind. And then Neelix is like, he's like, my wife. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, she's not going to leave. So uh, we we wish (laughs) you wish you wish. Uh, So they're building up that she might leave. And then the dude is training her and you're kind of like, whatever, whatever. But then her and Tuvok, have been training also because like Tuvok has like Vulcan mind shit and like this is the first time they talk about they're like they make it sound as if they've been doing it for a long time but they haven't yet so I just am noticing there there isn't like Janeway episodes really are there no there I just I just hit one uh I just had two in a row and it was in the middle of season three that is weird yeah, there ha- there haven't been a whole lot of Janeway ones. It looks like the but, it looks like the end of season three is Janeway. Well, yeah. So halfway uh, halfway through season three, I just had two Janeways in a in a row. But that's those are the first Janeway episodes. We've had a whole lot of Kess episodes, Jarrett. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and not not a lot of Tuvok, but I mean, no, not really. Uh, I would take it over Kess episodes, though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the only the only good thing about this one is um, she's her and Tuvok are doing mind stuff, and then uh, she can't control it, and then Tuvok's face starts to melt and uh, it gets all bulbous and stuff, and that's pretty cool. Oh, cool. That was cool, but uh, that was the extent of it. Nice. He he doesn't die, so. Oh. I was talking about Tuvok melting, correct? Yes. All right. So that episode is a Kess episode. What are you going to do? Cold fire. Cold fire. So this is the one. The next episode is the one that I was saying for Kazons. So 211, and it hit me just in half, like not quite halfway through season two, but the Kazons are the president's choice of Klingons. Now that is a very Canadian thing to say because I know a lot of countries won't know what President's Choice means. But you understand what I'm saying, right? Well, you could say Western family. No, they would definitely not know that. But yeah. they might know uh, no name brand. No name brand. Uh, Va- so great, great value. Great value. Yeah, like it's like the Walmart brand version of something else that you know. Wherever where it's kind of like. You, you could buy the Walmart, like, the Great Value Coke and be like, Great Value Cola. And you'd be like, this does what I need it to. Mm-hmm. But it but you can just tell. You're like, but there's something a little bit off here. It's not quite what you think it's going to be, right? That's what Kazon are. They're just, they are discount Klingons. And it's frustrating, I think. Uh, this is also uh, slash secret baby uh secret baby wars um and this is another two out of four stars uh, maneuvers uh, maneuvers so this is where um seska who was the secret cardassian disca- uh who had cosmetics or not cosmetic like full genetic surgery to become bajoran to be part of the maquis but then was discovered to be cardassian she is now reverted back to Cardassian through surgery, uh, and she is part of the Kazon sect. And she is working with the Kazon because she's got a vendetta against Chakotay, apparently, and the and the Voyager because she's just pissed off, right? Because she's got to go hang out with these Kazon people who clearly suck and nobody likes, even her. So she's trying to get back at Voyager. And then at the end of this episode, she uh, she goes, she lets it slip. She says, Chakotay, I'm carrying your baby. Dun, dun, dun. So they, they do kidnap Chakotay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think the thing is, she says something like, I... Um, She's like, I stole your DNA, and I in- I think the word inseminate comes again. So this is the second time you hear inseminate in, like, five episodes in Voyager. And she's like, uh, I inseminated myself with your DNA, and I am now pregnant. And then you go, huh, okay. You're like, good to know. Uh, so, yeah, this, uh, this is just a Kazon episode where they are trying to, again – get Voyager, steal the technology and uh I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie to you, Jared. It becomes uh pretty stale by the end of season two. Because they don't give up on this. It just keeps coming back. Oh god. It keeps coming back. This Kazon stuff oh, yeah. sucks. Like I don't know if this continues past season three because I know the Borg come into play and it's like I really just hope the Kazon are just done and they leave it alone. You tried it didn't work. No. 
just move on. Well, that's, I mean, I think the fact that they brought in Borg tells you everything. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that the Borg just annihilate the Kazon completely, but uh, I, I didn't look into this. I, I just hope that's what's happening. So that episode is fine. Uh, what, what do you want, Jared? Two more for a nice even half season? <sighs> sure. Sounds good. Okay. 212, uh, an old sad guy. Two and a half out of four? Two and a half? Not not high two? Yeah, this is a high two. Yeah. High two, almost a three. Uh, well, yeah, almost a three. Not quite a not quite a three for one reason. Janeway uh, is using her womanly bits to seduce people in this, <laughs> and it bits. comes off a little bit weird. Uh, and not because it's like not that she can't do that or whatever. You know, power to you, Janeway. Whatever you want to do. Is she, is she hanging some cleave for something? No, she she does this thing where she's like, uh, so okay, wait, what is this fucking episode about? Um, Resistance. A mission to acquire Telerium goes wrong, causing Tuvok and Belana to be captured and believed to be with the Resistance. Right. Okay. So this was one of the episodes, again, where, uh, like, I kind of let my opinions of the series as a whole last week drop. And it was one of these ones. This is one of the ones where it's, like, these super lower, um, lower technology civilizations that are actually, like, going up against Federation stuff. And, I, I like, I know that Voyager's on its own, so they don't have the full force of the Federation, but it's one of those things where it's, like, how are any of these, like, people or, like, these aliens keeping up with the Federation? It's, like, it's not believable because it, they're, like, challenging them and doing things. It's, like, but the Federation has so much more in their bag. It's, like, you should be able to just wipe these people out. Uh, but there is an old sad guy. So they're like on this planet and they're kind of stranded and Janeway wakes up and there's this guy there who he's an old dude who thinks Janeway is his daughter and he's really good. I like his character in this episode because his whole thing is just like, he's like, yeah, you're my daughter. He's like, I'll take care of you this time. Uh, And then you find out that this old guy's daughter died and he's really sad. And I was like, I like this old sad guy. He's cool. Uh, But then there's this, there's this thing Janeway comes in later where it's like, she's trying to, She's like seducing like the guards and stuff like that. And it's just like, hey, you ever sexed up a woman kind of thing? And they're like, have we? And then it's like, pew, pew. You know that, Jared? Pew, uh, pew. I, I don't know what that pew, pew sounds in reference to. Pew, pew. Uh, she kills him. I see. I just thought it was kind of strange. Like, uh, not the, again, not that Janeway can't do those things. But I was like, it seems like out of character for her. To well, be in it's, that it's, role. It's, but I guess it sounds like I mean all these episodes are so non Janeway specific that her doing anything is just like well I guess that's something that she would do because we don't yeah. know one way or another what she would or not do it's like because at this that's point it's just point. like she's just there there's not enough just ensemble episodes which apparently this one's described as various characters as was the last episode yeah yeah this is a this is definitely one of those um, it bounces around. Um, and you have like Belena in there who's, who's just, who, who just pops up sometimes. And like that, I think that's the biggest issue with Voyager so far. You don't, the characters that they've been giving attention to are characters like Kess. And you're just like, nobody fucking cares. It's like, do a Janeway episode or do a Tuvok episode or something. Uh, like in, like, I know you're not a Tuvok guy, but it's like, that would have been better than a Kess episode or another Neelix episode. That's like, 
all we've been or another fucking Tom Paris episode because that's all we get. And it's just like, how did what was the what was going on in the writers room that those are the three characters you're like, Cass, Neelix, Tom Paris. These are going to be our show, man. Like, that's what they they thought. Mm hmm. So it's a strange it's a strange episode. It's not what you're saying is you want you want Bashir back. Well, I would take uh season 7 Bashir over uh over what's going on here. Genetically enhanced Bashir. Genetically enhanced openly genetically enhanced Bashir. I would take him over these guys. But uh season 1 Bashir, no thank you. Mm-hmm. Season 1 Bashir would have fit well on the Voyager ship is uh another way to put that. But um yeah, it's a it's a high two, high two. But uh, still, I mean, all of these episodes are just twos, basically. Oof. Uh, and then the last one I'll hit you with tonight, uh, two thirteen. Uh, Belena, oh, what is it? Yeah, Belena simps a Cyberman. Two out of four stars. <laughs> Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, this one's not great. And it's, uh, it's, it seems like it uh, actually had one of the lowest ratings of the entire season. But I think that's because it came. It was the first episode after a layoff. No, nope. oh, maybe. No, actually, there are some drops again too. It seems like well, yeah. When the, it seems like those episodes where they don't air weekly, where like this, where mm-hmm. this, the schedule picks up. So, for instance, this is old TV. Oh yeah, times. this was like two two months uh, apart. These two yeah. episodes, and so that first episode back will have lower ratings. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh. So this what episode is? prototype the crew oh. the crew finds and reactivates a robot's body which was adrift in space only to find themselves in the middle of a war when Bilana is abducted. So do you, Jared? Do you know uh, the accessible sci-fi show uh, Doctor Who? Yep. Have you ever seen the Cybermen? Yep. That's what this is. Uh, so I'm not a Doctor Who guy. I just I like to say that it's so this, accessible sci- it, this sci-fi. isn't about john cena's first wwe gimmick no it was he a or, prototype he was the prototype in like uh, whatever it was ovw or something like that no it's not about that this is a belena episode that uh tries to give her character uh depth and misses completely so they find this robot and belena fixes it and then the robot is like Thank you for fixing me. I have a race of robots or a population, and we're all dying. Fix us. And Janeway's like, or Belena goes to Janeway, and she's like, hey, can I go fix all these guys? And she, Janeway's like, fuck no. She's like, prime directive, baby. Okay. I was just looking ahead, and there's can't, something that pops up, and I'm like, what? <laughs> can, can we, in this episode? No, in, no, no, no. Okay, uh, yeah. Which one? Is it two well, episodes away? It is one, two, three episodes away. Uh, is it meld or <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's meld. <laughs> okay, well, I I have some. I got some stuff to say oh, about meld, well, but I don't. Because I was like, "Who's this?" And I click, and I went, "Oh." You went, "Holy <laughs> shit!" I don't remember. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll I'll get there. I'll get there. Maybe that's a nice tease for next week. Hey, the episode after that's directed by Lavar Jeopardy Burton. Uh, you see, that's pretty good. You see actually. that? You see that? Uh, Lavar Burton got is going to be a host of a Jeopardy. Yeah, but just a guest host. He's he's vying for hey, full time. Well, this, this is what they're doing. I mean, like, hey, if anyone could do it, if anyone could pull this shit yeah. off, I mean, 
It would be him. Perfect. Perfect for the job. Well, I mean, last week they had fucking Aaron Rodgers in there of, uh, you know, you know, the Green Bay Packers. No, no idea who that is. You know what, though? I know who LeVar Burton is. I know about the Reading Rainbow. I know about Jordy LaForge spelled properly. (laughs) J-O-R-D-I. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he honestly, he would be the best pick. Uh, Like he he just flat out beloved. He is beloved. Yeah, like I, I, I just know, like, I can't remember a couple of weeks ago, it was like Dr. Drew or Dr. Oz or someone like that. Oh. And it's just like Jeopardy has all time low ratings. It's like, well, no shit. Nobody, nobody likes those. Or I can't remember which one it was. It doesn't matter. They're both the same fucking person. It's just like, yeah, nobody likes that guy. Get those do- two guys. Yeah, we get Dr. Phil on there. Yeah, a, f- a fake doctor who had his license revoked. Like, come on. Nobody cares about these fucking people. Just get LeVar Burton in there. Yeah. People, ever, like, you, would not, you wouldn't get a single a single piece of blowback from well, that. Except, except, like, yep. for, except from the, the racists. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's a big draw for Jeopardy audiences, I think. But those people too. If you told them that uh, Alex Trebek was Canadian, they probably would have had an issue with that as well. Well, they 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 thought that was part of the charm. Oh, they say he's like us, yes. but not quite. Right, not quite. And they say I'm okay, so worldly. I'm so worldly. Uh, yeah, Lavar Burton is the obvious pick, and if not him, probably Cass, I guess. But uh, yeah, to do Cass, absolutely Cass. So, uh, in character, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, Neelix in character would be a great Jeopardy host. So, so prototype, huh? Uh, yeah. Okay. So she saves the one robot, and the robot's like conning her, uh, and is like, "You got to save all of us." And Janeway's like, "No fucking way." She's like, "You can't do that because." And Belaine is like, "But why? I just fixed this one." And Janeway's like, "You shouldn't have fixed this one either." She's like, "We can't interfere with these fucking aliens. Just leave them be. It's not what we're here for." Uh, but Belaine is like, "I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna fix them." Uh, and then she fixed the one where she's not supposed to fix the one even. And then she does. And then the one kidnaps her to go fix all the other ones. And then uh, Janeway's like, I fucking told you. Cause like, she's talking to Belena and Belena's uh, just like, Oh, I got kidnapped. Don't save me. And Jane was like, I fucking told you this was going to happen. You shouldn't have been doing this. You shouldn't have been messing around with these robot Cybermen. Uh, and then, Belena, I think, tries to fix most of them, and I don't. The Cybermen kill a bunch of people, so she just created a race of murderers, pretty much, potential Borg, uh, because she didn't know how to follow orders. Because Janeway tells her not to do it, and she just does it anyways. Hmm. So that's what this episode is about. It's not. It's not bad, uh, but it's not great because you're watching it happen, and you're just like, why would she do this? This doesn't make any sense. Like, everyone tells her, don't do that. Don't fix this murder robot. Nobody wants this. And she's like, I'm going to do it anyways. And then you go, okay. So, I might leave it off there. Yeah, well, uh, well that's good. There are some big-time episodes coming up, Jared. Some heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, and all I – my only tease, Jared, I got to tell you, Threshold, I have some opinions, my man. Mm-hmm. For for two fifteen, but uh, we will get there uh, next week. Uh, next week we're also going to talk about two Vix. Uh, oh man, Jared, we got we got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> Big time things. Big time. So uh, that's my uh, Voyager talk for you. Outstanding. I, I will say, I have gotten some good episodes now. Okay. So there, it's not all shit all the time. Well, you're saying you're paying your dues right now, though. 
Or you were. You've paid your dues, and now you're on to better things. Well, not yet. I mean, season three has had its fair share of shit as well. But uh, I, I, I'm out of the, the the huge shit pile, and I'm into potentially better better things. But I, I don't want to speak too soon because okay, yeah. Anyways, you don't want to jump the gun. I don't want to jump the gun on this one. So yeah, that's it. What about you? Cool. Um, next gen, and still powering ahead. Yeah, season five's pretty bad. Uh, as yes. I've, I've been informing you, there's some, yep. s- some a lot of stinko uh, that I've had to get through. A lot uh, of what? Sorry, stinko. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I gotta look at uh, season five again because I know that there's been there's, there's been at least one very good episode. Oh, you know what? So the redemption episodes, the whole thing of bringing uh, Worf back into the the Klingon club. Oh yeah, like I'm not a fan of these two parters lately. Because even the uh, the mm-hmm. unification ones with with old Spock, mm-hmm. of, I don't know the the Tash the Tashiar's daughter Sel Selna Sela Sela, mm-hmm. not pretty underwhelming. The Tashiar stuff, it was there's a novelty to it, but then it wears out pretty yeah. quick. Or, I did like seeing Leonard Nimoy, but again, it did you get chills? Did you get chills when it, when, he, when he when he appeared? They weren't multiplying. No. I can tell you that much. Yeah, you didn't get goose flesh running up and down. Mm, not really. Okay. I mean, I I liked seeing Spock. I thought it was very cool. But uh, yeah. But yeah, because you follow up like the redemption, which like I don't know, very chunky dumb episodes. You have like the mm-hmm. the Doros sisters and uh, their like nephew, <laughs> who's just like this whiny Klingon guy. Do you remember him? I I want to be the Grand Chancellor. Ah. Yeah, I do, I do remember that yeah. actually. He's a he's a little wiener too. That guy. He right? is a wiener, and like yeah. yeah, the whole time I was like, I remember as a kid, I thought this guy sucked, and I was right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that guy sucks. That guy uh, sucks huge, D- man. Darmok's good. Who's Darmok? Shaka, when the walls fell. Oh. You just hit that one? No, that's that's like the second episode of season five. That one's oh, okay. Good. Yeah, that episode's awesome. Yeah, uh, I do like that one. I, I I will say that I do like Ensign Rowe as a character, um, but that's like Michelle Forbes is like pr- a pretty good actor. If you remember Ensign Rowe, that was like uh, yeah. Well, because originally she the... never comes back either. She should well, have been on uh, well, DS Nine. Well, she was. That was the plan. It was supposed to be yeah. her and uh, her and um, Cole Meany were going to go over to DS Nine, but Michelle Forrest was like, "Nah, I'm good." She just she just yeah. left Star Trek. She's yep. like, "I'm done with it." Yeah, yeah. No, she took a. Well, mm. She winds up on ER or Homicide. I can't remember what she does. Like, I think she does maybe both. I can't. So I, it's was, been a while. She's supposed to be Kira on yeah, DS Nine. Exactly. Yeah, she was supposed to be Kira's character. Which would have made sense. I mean, I'm glad that she wasn't because I actually liked Nana Visitor as Kira. Mm-hmm. I thought she did a good job with that. But Ensign Rowe would have been cool to have on there also. But yeah, they definitely start laying in the uh, Bajoran stuff here in season five, which I was wondering mm-hmm. because that's in '91 that these episodes were airing. And when you think about like the Chain of Command stuff in the next season, and they, mm-hmm. uh, they, they they're thinking about some things. They got some ideas. I, I think season six is when Quark pops up on uh, TNG. Yeah. For just a second, so yeah. that that's when DS. I think that's when they started going hand in hand, or 
together, I guess, or whatever. Um, I also, when I was looking up the unification story stuff, there is yeah. actually a unification episode three that comes in Star Trek Discovery. And it's actually called Unification Three. It's like the fo- it's like it's the follow up. What? Yeah, yeah. There's some uh, okay. there's some 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 stuff in Discovery I was not aware of time traveling things. What about uh, those Klingons in Discovery, Jared? Oof. No thanks. Yeah. Well, well, I as much as I don't like the Klingons in Discovery, having only seen a still of it, this uh, this alien race in season three of Voyager is still worse. I I got a picture of it, but it doesn't really do it justice. I'll send you next week. It, oof. My man, my man, my man. So you're done. Did you start season six yet? No, I literally, I just finished uh, Time's Arrow. Uh, I I wasn't a big fan of. uh... No, I, that episode, like, I really remember, uh, I would have taped that on VHS, uh, and then I watched it a whole bunch as a kid. Like, oh man, this is so cool. What a cool mystery. Data's head. And I think that there was like, I think the video game had some of this, of the story in it as well. I could be wrong on that, but I, maybe. It, but it really left a an imprint in my brain. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's super underwhelming. Other than it's like, hey, you want some more Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> I I mean, I do. Yes, always. Um, Constantly. What, what are the highlights of? Yeah, so season five, you got cause and effect, which is uh, a really cool episode. It's because there's like the the dark humor of like every time the loop happens on a commercial break, then it goes back to Captain's Log. <laughs> You're like, oh no, they're going to blow up again. Uh, I I really like that one. That's a good episode. That's, that's a good episode. Yeah. Uh, bro, the imaginary friend episode, <laughs> terrible. Pamkin uh, mm. Jansen being uh, like horny. S- horny. Oh, everyone's horny in that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh Iborg, I think is good still. Yeah, like that a, one's a that's a cool episode. Yeah, the uh, then there's the inner light, which I remember you were kind of. Uh, that's like the one that people really love for whatever reason, but it's like it's good. Is that the the what, flute episode? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I was I was soft on it until later on hmm. when you get more Picard stuff, and then I was like, oh well, in Looking back, it's better that they yeah. keep going. But like when you first hit it, it I, I wasn't it, too it, impressed. It, it feels like so many of the episodes where there's a lot of um, cotton. That's <laughs> like like when they go to these planets. I, I know what you mean. So there's a lot of uh, earth color, earthy colors, and cotton, mm-hmm. cotton, cotton whites, and baggy clothes and patterns. Like what is this uh, Santa Fe? Like I, it's like we're on planet Santa Fe. Yeah, and they have the houses like it too. But hey, at least you don't have a, a alien like Neelix talking about the weather in Celsius and humidity. But, but his and buddy it, is in there is a jump to a conclusion guy. Jump to conclusion boards. Yeah, that guy. Yep. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not bad. He's a good shit. So we don't bust his balls too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He seems like a good dude. Oh, but yeah. Then there's the space rape episode violations. That's uh... that, that one is that's a wild episode. Like I, I, I don't know who came up with that. I, hate, oh, I, I remember as a kid watching that thing, and then that's that's followed up by uh, the the eugenics episode, where it, like oh, you literally yeah. we have literally Jordy go. Isn't it ironic? That a blind man with the technology that allows him to see is what solves the problem of a planet of people who would have killed me as a child. And you're like, yeah, I, I figured that out. 
It's one of these ones, Jer. Wink. It didn't need to be said out loud. Some people do it. For some people, it does. Yeah, yeah, for the cheap seats. <laughs> well, Jared, I mean, who do you think's tuning in on the regular? Exactly, I guess. Wow. Wow. But hey, you know, in news, RJ, in the mm-hmm. news, we got some Criterion movies that are coming out in July. Oh, they still do those? Yeah, they still do. Uh, okay. I, though I question every day, how long am I going to be around for this ride? Well, we we will be long gone. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about. Um, that. we got this movie called La Piscine. Oh yeah, I love that movie. Uh, Jacques Deray. Uh, this cover, though, my God, RG, it is saucy beyond belief. In, in what way? You should, you gotta check it out for yourself. Uh. No. It's uh, stimulating. No. Uh, we've got Bringing Up Baby from director Howard Hawks starring your favorite actor, Cary Grant, and Catherine Hepburn of Summertime. Oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Summertime. There's like a, like a baby tiger in it. And it's Screwball. You like Screwballs? What do you mean? Oh, like a Screwball comedy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Is it like all about Eve? Uh, I, I guess. Or Lady Eve? Lady Eve. All about Eve? That's all, not even a movie, is it, it? It is, actually. It is a noirish movie, though. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. What? Is, what's going on over there? Why? I, I hear some screeching sounds. Oh, I think it's the oven door opening. <laughs> you know, a little bit of WD-40 goes a long way. In your oven? You don't, you don't want to do that because then we get it put yeah. into your food and then you're get, carcinogens, get, my man. Get it on those hinges. The hinges? <laughs> this uh, is above what I can control. We've yeah. got we've got Andre Tarkovsky's Mirror. What about Mirror? Mirror is what it's called. Is that good? The the Mirror. mirror. Um, yeah, I, I think. I mean, I know Frank Solano's uh, pumped. Is he? He is. Can you say that with confidence? I can. Because I messaged okay. him, and he, oh. said, and he said he could die happy now. I was like, "Well, okay. wait at least until you can get your in your hands." Wait, wait until the creeps episode. Exactly. Long, right? Yeah, exactly. Hold out, hold out. How uh, long will that? T- yeah, we got Lizzie Borden, Working Girls. This is also a suggestive cover. There's a lot of bare flesh on display. I mean, this is perfect for July. There's going to be a lot of bodies out there because it's going to be the best summer ever. I'm not sure if you heard that. Uh, well, in Alberta, it will be. Is this the uh, Martin Lizzie Borden? Uh, this is Lizzie Borden, the director. Not the thirty wax to the thirty no, wax no, with a the, wet noodle. The different one, different one. Oh, okay, not but, as but, interesting. But, but the one that just came to my attention because I completely missed this when they did their announcements last week on mm-hmm. Thursday, I guess. Uh, but deep cover. Directed by Bill Duke, starring Lawrence Fishburne, and Jeff Goldblum is coming to the Criterion Collection, to which I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> is that good or is that uh, bad? Unexpected. This is this is one of the probably the most unexpected movies I've... Because I, I did see some people mentioning Deep Cover in this last week, and I didn't mm-hmm. realize why. So... 
I mean, I, I still like I, I saw the pictures of this, but I don't know anything about this. Like, so unexpected, but good or bad. Well, when I was strange, when I, I, I give it three stars when I watched okay. it in 2015. Um, okay. My review here from 2015, September of 2015 reads, this is probably a very good movie that gets undone at times by really bizarre direction choices, particularly some of the weird hamming up of one Mr. Goldblum. Oh, so this is like neo noir black exploitation. Isn't it all like that? Uh, like Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, oh, I see. Oh, look at what a, what a night that was. Watch Deep Cover and Rotor. Rotor and, and Crack House. <laughs> What's Rotor about? Uh, it's about a robot. It. I gave that movie one star. Hmm. The poster's sweet, though. R-O-T-O-R from 1987. On Letterboxd, the poster is sweet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, just The movie poster is amazing. Okay, let me look up Rotor. Yep. It's loading. It's loading. It's loading. <laughs> it's loading. That sounds like Letterboxd to me. Yeah, it's, it's just loading, so I'll let you know when it pops up. Okay. Yeah. It's just loading. Well, do, do you have any news? No. Oh. Okay, here's the Rotor. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a cool poster. Is he a Cyberman? Uh, yeah, or something. He's a, he's a robot. Oh, Robotic Officer Tactical Operation yeah. Research. Yeah. From Colin Blaine. Yeah, this looks cool. I like this. Oh, you yeah. gave it one star. Yeah, it's it's atrocious. But the poster is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the poster is cool. I'll give you that. Well, I look forward to you rewatching it one day. One day. Together. Mm-hmm. Together. Because it'll be in the Criterion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, cool. Well, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's all. Uh, I guess we have uh, a movie or four to talk about now what kind of the teutonic kind did you say four yeah four, oh four. shit i guess yeah <laughs> surprise we, we we did watch movies and they were yeah, all we... on topic unlike the last whatever two hours that's on topic chicote is in the collection <sighs> he could be somewhere someday in our hearts well, isn't everyone in our hearts in a little way? After the break, we're catching arrows to the throat. Mm-hmm. But we'll give it to our kids because I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Jungle! 
At the age of 37, German filmmaker Werner Herzog has a worldwide reputation as one of the most talented directors to come out of the movement known as the New German Cinema. In 1977, he ventured deep into the upper Amazon jungle of Peru, scouting locations for a surrealistic adventure film he'd been planning for years, Fitzcarraldo. From the beginning, he expected it to be an extremely difficult project, but it wouldn't be the first time he'd risked everything for new images. In 1971, for instance, he came to the upper Amazon to film Aguirre, Wrath of God, and he and his crew spent weeks living on rafts in the middle of the river. Some critics feel that Herzog seeks out physical danger to test himself. Herzog insists he's a professional taking reasonable risks to create images no one has ever seen before. This time, however, the dangers were so extreme that he invited filmmaker Les Blank to shoot a documentary of Fitzcarraldo being made, as if he were afraid that the documentary might be the only record of his epic adventure. Join with Herzog, Klaus Kinski, and 800 Peruvian Indians as they risk their lives and their sanity. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Burden of Dreams from 1982, directed by Les Blank. And if you follow the credit title card mm-hmm. of this movie, uh, Maureen Gosling. Who? <laughs> the collaborator that doesn't get brought up at all anymore on this movie. I, I read a, like, I don't know, 2,000-word interview with Les Blank that... Uh, Vice did back in like 2009 and she doesn't get brought up at all you don't know how to read well uh, I, can, I know how to do a find search mm. <laughs> on a page and uh, her name doesn't appear anywhere and I find this strange would you say it's problematic I don't know just a mm. odd little thing odd little mm. thing was she like the co-director I mean on, if you look at the documentary it seems like she's presented that way hmm. but what's well, news to me yeah anyway that being said mm-hmm. uh the synopsis for burden of dreams mm-hmm. the amazon rainforest 1979 the crew of Fitzcarraldo from 1982 a film directed by german director werner herzog soon finds itself with problems related to casting, tribal struggles, and accidents, among many other setbacks, but nothing compared to dragging a huge steamboat up a mountain while Herzog embraces the path of a certain madness to make his vision come true. I mean, yes and no. I feel like getting the boat up was the least of his worries. It was uh, kind of all part of the, the potpourri. The what? <laughs> the what? <laughs> okay. It's a, it's well, I mean, a, it's a medley of problems. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big description. So, RJ, mm-hmm. uh, this is this is a movie that I'm quite familiar with. I've seen this movie okay. several times in my several several. I couldn't. I definitely more than three. Wow. Yeah. Is there is there any other movies you could? You can stake yeah. that claim to? Yes. Many. Like, uh, like, like what? Lots. Like BVS? No. 
no, 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 RJ. Uh, no, I've I've seen this Burden of Dreams a few times. I I had a a Werner Herzog phase where I was watching uh, these Herzog movies. I've got those uh, mm-hmm. those Anchor Bay Herzog collections, Herzog Kinski, and then there's just Herzog with five other movies. I've got those things. I never bought the uh, the big square box with Herzog's head on it that I think Shout Factory put out. A few years ago, I have no huh. idea if the picture quality is light years better or anything like that than those old DVDs. Watching um, Fitzcarraldo on those DVDs, you definitely could say, hmm, I think this, this, this could use, need some restoration, some proper love. Did it ever get it? Uh, I don't believe so, but I might be, I could be wrong on it. Who knows how hmm. cheap the film stock was this would have been shot on. It's, it's, that, it's that European stuff. It's always got a washed out look to it. But at least, mm. or at least these old prints do, that are floating around on the mm-hmm. DVDs. At least I have. But who knows? I mean, they they put some love into some Dario Argento stuff, make those look brand new. So mm-hmm. I imagine uh, Werner Herzog's at least as uh, well regarded as Dario Argento. So, and Fitzgeraldo I mean, is like his probably like number in his top three movies for in film history, I guess. For his film history or in film history? In his film history. What do you what do you think his tops are? I don't know. Just yep, personally, I, personally, Aguirre, Wrath of God. I think it's his best movie from this era. Still, and actually, I really do like Nosferatu as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess you'd have to go ahead and look at more of his uh, more modern day documentaries because that seems to be a pretty important part of his uh, output now. His documentary, like even Dwarves, started small. Oh, I don't know about that one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll continue. But you've got, like, I don't know, Grizzly Man. It's been a while since I've uh, revisited Grizzly Man, so I'm not sure how that's uh, that's going. It's good. I watched it a couple of years ago, and I liked it. No, that's good. That's good. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, watching Burn of Dreams was uh, something I was looking forward to because it's been a while since I'd seen it. And the – I guess, like, the, the weird thing now of watching Warner Herzog stuff – uh, I'm I'm probably going to go between Werner and Werner all the time because it's like it's that V and W thing. Just get it right. Yeah. So I mean, with Burden of Dreams, as, as we talked about at the end of last episode, uh, I think it's important that one talks about and watches Fitzcarraldo to go along with this making of film. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Call call me crazy. Did we talk about that last week? We did. Oh, I don't remember. No, <laughs> I I just I you, thought you, uh, I watched you, it you, all you, on my you, own. Yeah, you verbally complained about why Fitzcarraldo isn't in the collection. Why is this making of film by itself? Well, yeah, actually, well, that, I, it's I almost, stand it's, by that. It's, it's almost like you haven't been paying attention to how the Criterion Collection at times doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, I mean, I understand that. I just, uh, I. I am trying to will that out of existence. I wish it was just the way it should be. I see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you work hard enough, it could happen, right? Yeah. Yes. Hopefully. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I guess to go back to what I was saying before, with Herzog, it's been a while since mm-hmm. I've seen this stuff, and he's become more internet-loved, internet-memed, I think, in the last decade, mm-hmm. <laughs> since when I would have been really interested in his stuff. Uh, 
it seemed like it was a more of a novel thing. You'd actually have to watch his movies and documentaries to get a handle on it. But I think like Grizzly Man really uh, kind of elevated him for a lot of people it, mm-hmm. to, to becoming this guy. He's like, who is this guy? He talks about nature and chaos. <laughs> that does seem to be his big, right? That That is the thing. And then uh, he has this great voice that then can start being deployed as narration over top of things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it helps as well that he is a, he's very articulate. Like he's even with English being his second language, like he, uh, the way he talks is just, it's just elegant. I I just, you just like listening to him talk. I don't know about you, but I could just listen to Warren Herzog talk all day. He just, Uh, do you remember the, uh, the plastic bag short film that's narrated by, uh, Werner? The one in, uh, steel magnolia or what well the no i i'm clearly not thinking about whatever you were trying okay. to mention it's literally yeah. a doc it's a, it's a short film called plastic bag okay and no it, i uh <clears throat> i do not okay and it's yeah it's it's Werner making his observations about things in that place. Uh, he because he kind of like falls into that realm i think in the same window of like christopher walken but Christopher Walken definitely uh, was there before, but now Werner fills that role where he plays I, I the gotcha. he would play the role that Christopher Walken would have played, you know, twenty years ago when he shows up and say Jack Reacher. Oh, and he's cutting off his own hand, eating his shoe and stuff like that. Yeah, he was great in Jack Reacher. Yeah. What's your favorite <laughs> acting role for Werner? Man, how about um, some Harmony Korine movies okay. like uh, Julian Donkey Boy, RJ? I'm not crazy mm-hmm. about that one. I thought you were going to say uh, the Star Wars because you know how he... The Star did, Wars. The Star Wars when he, he weeped when he saw Baby Yoda oh, and all boy. that yeah, kind of see, stuff. That's kind of where uh, I feel... Or, or when he's talking about going to see WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, what, what, is he t- what does he have to say about WrestleMania? He really liked it. He, he loved the spectacle. <laughs> that's it? Or when he uh, becomes like a on again off again character on the simpsons oh yeah yeah see, I, li- I like that if you do you think anyone recognized him at wrestlemania i don't i think he watched it on tv oh okay he wasn't like actually there oh look at that see he's like that's too bad he was on metalocalypse <laughs> american dad that's the, cool. the, the boondocks see he's in penguins of madagascar Oh, as documentary filmmaker. See, it's all... It's all there? It's all there. I got you. Rick and Morty. Oh. yeah. See, that that's kind of the where the detachment comes. And there's like in mm-hmm. in the uh, the documentary uh, Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe, mm-hmm. there is a bit where he's talking about how we become a parody of ourselves, essentially, like to paraphrase it. And mm. I was like, it really is true, isn't it? <laughs> this man talking about the uh, morass of uh, dead images and we need to find new images and uh, culture's dead and it, it, everything's like it, for idiots and Disney. And here he is doing baby, hanging out with baby Yoda. I mean, that, that I guess it, it just shows that time's a flat circle, right, Jerry? Just well, all comes around. But then, when did he come back around to not doing those things? 
I think eventually he will. Like he will die eventually, and then he won't be in well, those I mean, kinds of things anyway. I I, I, I do think uh, him talking about uh, taking one of those one way trips to Mars to, to make a documentary about being the first man on Mars is that's pretty uh, Herzog. Hmm. I mean, if anyone could do it, it would be him, right? Yep. Yeah. He's he's fine with that. He's like, yeah, why why not die on the on Mars? I, I'll, 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 I'm going to die anyway. My, so why, why not? Why not die excited, like in an exciting way, in a significant way? I'm I'm okay with that. I'll allow it. Yeah. I mean that that sort of thinking though is also what inspires uh, dangerous psycho people that want to make a name for themselves as well. So maybe that that maybe that shouldn't be encouraged. Well. Maybe it should. Maybe. 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 I don't know. No. I'm not going to say yes or no about anything. (laughs) Just right in the middle. Neutral, Jared. Okay. Just like uh, Switzerland. Sure. Sure, my my friend. So, Mm -hmm. RJ, um, what did you know before this week about Burden of Dreams or Fitzcarraldo? You ever seen that movie, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, Jared? You ever seen that one? Nope. They, uh, it's like a rom-com, like a teen rom-com. Uh, and uh, in that movie, there's two buds, and uh, they are big cinephiles, Jared. And uh, they, they make their own movies, uh, and they're spoofs on other things. And uh, there's one in there, that, uh, and they call it Burden of Screams. And uh, I saw that at one point. And then I, before I pieced it together, I've... Like, I've known Werner Herzog for a while, and I've always heard the joke about pulling a boat over a mountain, but I I didn't really piece it together. And then I think I remember, like, when I was interested in Burden of Dreams, Fitzcarraldo, it was, like, once we already started the podcast. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, it's coming down the line eventually. It might be years from now, so I'll just wait. And now it is years from now, and I have waited. So uh, they were both first-time watches for me this week because – I waited because I didn't want to. Because if I hadn't, look, I would have been rewatching it, and it just wouldn't have wouldn't have meant as much as it does now. So, my to answer your question in a long way, <laughs> my understanding was limited, or my knowledge was limited. Limited, you say? At best, yeah. Okay. Because I, I can't even remember. Have you seen a Gary Wrath of God? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I've seen a bunch of. Herzog stuff. I just uh, I I never watched Fitzcarraldo or Burning Dreams because I knew they were coming down the pipe. But I've seen Aguirre, uh, shit, a few others, a bunch of his docs like Grizzly Man, uh, Into the Abyss. I've seen most of like mm. I've seen a lot of his documentaries. Not as many of his just uh, scripted films, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean. I guess now, of course, when I think of this too, I guess I was going to pick uh, his fiction movies. Uh, Strozek would probably be in my uh, top three. Mm-hmm. That's a personal favorite. I don't know if it, that's for everybody. That yeah. is a, that is a grim movie, more even mm-hmm. more unusually grim than uh, other Herzog things. Um, so I think we'll talk about Fitzcarraldo first. Just okay. So what's that movie about? So, I mean, I, I imagine most people who would be wanting to tune in to listen to us talk about burden of dreams probably already know both these movies but just in mm-hmm. case um the movie Fitzcarraldo is a the care it's about a character uh brian patrick fitzgerald mm-hmm. um Fitzcarraldo is how the people in uh the amazon 
pronounce it Spanish. That's how it would be kind of spoken, I guess. The kissing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Fitzcarraldo is a dreamer. This is the synopsis from Letterbox. Is a dreamer who plans to build an opera house in Equitos. Equitos. Uh, Iquitos. Iquitos, thank you. Iquitos. In the Peruvian Amazon. So, there you go, Peru. So, in order to finance his project, he embarks on an epic adventure to collect rubber, a very profitable product, in a remote and unexplored region of the rainforest. Uh-huh. What do you know about rubber trees, Jared? I mean, I think everything I know I learned from Fitzcarraldo. What do you know about opera? Uh, everything I know about opera I learned from Fitzcarraldo. Interesting. Interesting. You know about Caruso? Uh, I've heard. I've heard of Caruso. What do you know about Caruso? Uh, From Looney Tunes, I guess. That's the other thing I've learned opera from. um, Mm. What's opera, Doc? What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Caruso. That's that's enough. He's a figure. Uh, You'd have to be like a great, great grandpa to be i think really into this to even like be like mm-hmm. oh you, you might be like hey those are records and it's like no no those those are uh those are gramophones records. buddy yeah that's that'd be some some wax <laughs> there there's something going on there man that's something th- those, real those, going those are on. Some, that's some thick vinyls mm-hmm. you know and people have very strong opinions about pluralizing vinyl that way i mean people have strong opinions on everything and i mm-hmm. i mean I'll, I'll just say it for everyone relax just <laughs> chill just relax don't yeah that that's about it just stop taking things so seriously is what i would say no um so fitzcarraldo opens up with fitzcarraldo he's racing on a boat along the amazon with his partner uh yeah his 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 gal pal who Mm -hmm. who runs a brothel? brothel brothel i mean it's described training she train she basically trains women native women yeah from, from the area to like get move on up in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I get kind of but she also it's like do they stay with her or do they go and become ho- housekeepers um in, well, in, I mean, in air quotes it seemed. It never seemed like. Did they get married iffy off? to me? Did she make? A, did she turn a profit on this? Uh, but it seems like everything. Everyone's pretty okay with that in the movie. It's like this is just the, the, the world we live in, the early twentieth century. Hmm. Well, was it the world then, though? Also. What's that? Was it the world at that time as well? Was it the world at that time? Yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm assuming so. Oh. Okay. It seems uh, like a pretty dire place. <laughs> doesn't, well, seem like, uh, doesn't seem like a lot of fun. Well, I mean, nature is chaos, Jared. Didn't you? Didn't you watch these movies? <laughs> well, that that comes later. That comes. Oh, that okay. that's that's in the documentary. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, opera is chaos, Jared. Opera is chaos. So we 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 open up with a performance of opera. Hmm. Um. How did that make you feel? Uh, it, 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 it awoke something deep within me that I didn't know was there. Wow. Uh, that you have a a deep passion for the opera. The one that you did not discover in watching Ingmar Bergman's The Magic Flute. I didn't discover it at that time, but now I can say I do have that uh, awoken uh, awakening for opera. And I'll say that, uh, I'm going to say it. 
I think opera is uh, miles above um, poetry, and I think it's miles above drama and choir. Uh, <laughs> opera is the top of the top. Top of it's the far- top. Of the top of the top. Of that like kind of nerdery. Yeah, of like the drama nerd camp uh, yeah. and like the choir band camp. Like opera is the top of that those dogs, so I think it's the most tolerable. Mm-hmm. But if uh, if I was ever invited a place to hang out where people were doing like improv or even just choir, just like you, like you know, there's people out there who just sing when they hang out. I, I wouldn't be into that. But if it's opera, I'd be a little bit more accepting of it. I think because of Fitzgerald. Because of Fitzcarraldo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's all that uh Werner Herzog wanted to do. That's all that that's all that uh Fitzcarraldo wanted you to have happen. He, and he wanted, did he, it. He brought it to the Criterion Creeps jungle mountain. Yep. And he, he did it, he, man. He, he built a in our mind, in our collective idea mind, an opera house and we heard it. Uh well I heard it yeah. for sure. Did you? Um, did you hear the call? I, I did think because you have a lot. There's a lot of time here to think about opera. <laughs> there, there's, there's some time. There, there's some footage, and you get to see kind of like, hey, that's a that's a man playing a woman, and then and then there's this cutaway, and you're like, oh, there's there's the actual singer off to the side. So, how's that different from what we do? The, uh, we're two opera women off yeah. to the side singing. Yeah. Hmm. Question. I don't know. I can't answer what, that. What? I can't answer that for anybody. Well, not legally. No. But I mean. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Fitzcarraldo. His goal is he wants to build an opera house. He wants Caruso to play it on the Amazon. He has this. He has this idea in his head, and he, and he mm-hmm. tries to actualize it because these things often require money. <laughs> And, and space and time, and you have to navigate the material to achieve these goals. So he starts mm-hmm. making deals with, you know, these scumbag exploiters, of which he himself has attempted to be one, but he seems like he's uh, failed at doing it. He's got his his his, mm-hmm. uh, his ice business he wants. I mean that that's got to be a lucrative market in the Amazon, no? It's uh, I mean he's, he makes ice scones, the shaved ice. <laughs> yeah, she's got shaved ice. The, kid, mm-hmm. the kids are into it. They're like, man, this is pretty cool. I, I mean, when you're down there, I'm not sure uh, how much ice you see unless you're like at the top of mountains, like real, I mean, like big mountains. I'm into it too, to be honest. Yeah. I'm on board. You're, I'm on you're, board. You're, you're pro ice. If you had shaved ice for me right now, I wouldn't turn it away. Yeah. Okay. Would you? Shaved ice? Yeah. Uh, I'm good. I've got a fridge. Oh. <laughs> I, got, right. I got ice cubes. It's not the same, dude. No. It's not sh- it's not shaved with some uh sweet sugary syrup <laughs> poured on top. So uh we get some uh ocelot tossing. Uh yeah, which is unfortunate. And, you know, the cat's fine. It's not, it's, it's not a rabid bobcat. Well, I mean, well, are, are ocelots the fattest uh the fastest uh cat? I mean, they are leopards, right? I'm not sure if the... Isn't that like a, a cheetah? <laughs> I think ocelots might be faster. Revolver. How, how do you, what do you know about revolver ocelots? Well, I know that they're real cool and like Lee Van Cleef. Who's, I mean, that's part of it. Who's cool? Um, 
So yeah, because there's a lot of plotting. So like the first 45 minutes of Fitzcarraldo there was scheming and plotting to try to like build this opera house. And it's not going to come together. Nobody wants to give him money. He gets laughed at and mocked. And eventually he, he's it's like, okay, buddy, no one's going to give you money for your ice, your ice hustle. It's not, it's not going to fly. But then someone shows him a map. And it's so obvious. You're like, how could no one have made this connection beforehand of like, hey, these two parts of this river system are really, really close together. You, but what if you just like popped over? What if you just hopped it? Uh, because he, this, his new thing is he's going to be sold uh, kind of the potential deed to exploit rubber trees that are on the other side of these rapids that nobody can actually get through to bring the rubber through it successfully Mm -hmm. so he's got this idea and the whole idea of course again remember is to make money to achieve the goal well how else do you uh achieve steal rob uh steal rob cheat oh in the duncan book maybe that hustle okay so i have some updates for you jared okay an ocelot can travel at a speed of 38 miles per hour I could do that. I know you could, but they are, however, not the fastest cat breed. The fastest cat breed is the Egyptian Mao, which can travel at 48 kilometers per hour. Well, that's slower than 38 miles. Wait, this is this says 30 miles per hour. So wait, which one is faster? Well, didn't the ocelot? Well, didn't come in handy because old Klaus just said, "Get the fuck out of here, kitty." Oh, that's domestic oh. <laughs> yeah okay i gotta do some more research yeah okay, i don't know how, i don't know how important this is i don't know is it not important no <laughs> interesting okay yeah. i'll research on my own so uh fitzcarraldo gets a boat he gets some money there's this kind of idea that he's basically getting fleeced by the government you're like hey you got nine months to do this and if you don't you forfeit everything so there's some pressure on this is all or nothing. He's got to do this. He has no idea. He's never been to the site. There's been no surveying. Um, he gets a captain. Uh, the investors, the uh, the other mm-hmm. rubber barons were kind of amused by this whole idea. He laughs a lot. There's a lot of amusement, a lot of cackling. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's got his man, um, uh, an indigenous guy from the area who's really Chobo. good. Cholo, uh, who's really good with uh, engines. So he's going to be kind of keeping an eye on the investment. And in case things go uh, wrong, he'll make sure the boat comes back. That's the the important part. So uh, group gets on the boat. They head on down the river. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a cook who brought some ladies on that boat. That creates a little bit of tension. There's some fighting. Mm -hmm. They get kicked off the boat while they stop over by a church in a very sad scene of watching these four people. It's like getting kicked off the Greyhound bus in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, well, it's where, their fault though. Where, where, where are you going to go? But, but it's like, it's, but now what? It's, uh, you, die. you can't cell phone call anybody. Is that, is that for fighting on a boat? If you're being left to die. What well, is I mean, this? they were, what, they okay, were okay. John Luke Picard. Left. They were left like in a village. They yeah. they could manage. I know. Yeah, they they are there, but it's like that might be a yeah. long wait till the next boat comes by. Like, that could be a long time. Was the village uninhabited? Well, it's just like those two priests. And it's like how many uh, yeah, how many of these priests? How what sort of uh, 
trade did they get? Did they get like supplies on a monthly basis, or do they have like a whole stock? Do they have their own farm? Uh, man, the the whole jungle is the supplies. Just go out and eat some uh, bugs. We get to see a uh, the the ramifications of one of uh, Fitzcarraldo's previous dreams, which is to have a train running this mm-hmm. ice around the jungle. And there's one of his poor employees uh, mm-hmm. who still is running the station. This mm-hmm. sad, very happy, enthusiastic man. He's like, I waited for you. It's been was six months. I haven't heard from you, and uh, just, he's like, "Oh no, six years! It's been six years." Mm-hmm. And he's got like four children. He's met a woman. Uh, the, the parts have been started being stripped by uh, indigenous people that are just like they were taking it before. He's like, "Well, I can at least trade for it, so I can get food and stuff." While I wait for uh, Mister Fitzcarraldo to come back, and he comes back, and he's just there to get the medal. And uh, that's that's the end of that. It's uh, it's one of those, I don't know. This movie just like has that big feeling of like a literary novel. It's like a big statement of like just I don't know characters being driven forward. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, it's nothing quite like it. <laughs> it it has a it's a, it's a definite vibe, Jarrett, on its own, <laughs> as say, the kids would say. Would say it's vibing. It's 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 vibing to mm-hmm. a degree. I, I mean, I, how, I believe. How did how do you feel about the Popovul uh, music? That that world music. I mean, I was on board with it okay. for the whole time. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I was cool with it. I was like, yeah, I like this. Mm-hmm. Bring it all. It has a it adds a kind of an otherworldliness to it. Uh yeah. Because well, yeah. so one of the things I felt when watching this too was because of how similar Fitzcarraldo and Burden of Dreams are in a lot of ways, and that they're also depicting the same events uh, in in a different way. Fitzcarraldo has like a documentary feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like we're, so this, because I think about um, that John Renoir movie, The River, which just feels so like much like a period, a movie of its time like late 50s sort of ethnographic movie, like saying, this is India. These are the people. And it's like very heavy handed. And it's kind of like, almost like you could imagine Fitzcarraldo being made in a different era by a different director. And it would feel similarly. What do you think would happen if they got uh, like Taylor Sheridan, that guy who wrote like hell or high water. What do you think would happen if they got him to make Fitzcarraldo And, and shot by Roger Deakins? Yeah. Yeah, or oh no, you it wouldn't be that dude. It would be Denny Villeneuve for sure. It would be there'd be nothing on the screen. Yeah, it'd it would be, it'd be, be a lot of blankness, a lot of fog, and characters yeah. standing on horizons looking out into the fog. It's called and, negative space, buddy. Mm-hmm, yeah, look it up sometime. Comp- composition. Yeah, no, I, that that's definitely who it would be, right? If they were ever to try to do something like this again, it would be Denny Denny Villeneuve. Yeah, but he's not doing shit like this. No, well, no one's handing out uh, money like this to to make. Uh, no one's gonna be paying you to haul a boat up a mountain, and that which also didn't uh, they didn't really want to do either. Twentieth Century Fox apparently, well, at one point was going to back this bad boy, I, hmm. pro- probably when uh, James Robard and uh, Mick Jagger were going to be in it. Fuck. Uh, oh, James Robard, <laughs> what a piece of shit! It would have been so bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, this is that's a 
Bird in a Dreams talk, but like those two scenes that they show Terrible. with those guys look fucking horrible. Like they they both look real bad. That James Robard guy is barely there. He's just ringing that bell. He's uh, gotta get the opera house and Mick Jagger. Like, stop trying to make Mick Jagger a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone I... wanted him to be in movies. It's like, why? Who gives a shit? He's not a good actor. Like, he's in a lot of bad movies. Yeah. Well, he would have been in a bad one here. So I was a little confused by that too when they say that like they had shot like 80% of it. Yep. Like, but that was none of the boat stuff then, right? Well, yeah, I'm not sure what was left to do. Because Kinski's like the... in all the boat scenes too. Well, I guess so like, like I, mean, they all the, twice. I mean, all the other stuff, like 80% of the movie is like opera <laughs> and, and ha- hanging, ha- hanging around town, kids staring yeah. at you as you lay in bed, and then you put the record on and they all listen to it. Um Getting uh, getting arrested at the church and then getting thrown into a cell where you get to sit in a room by yourself and then across mm-hmm. from you are all the you know the people from there they they all get crowded together but you as a as a white guy with a bit your crazy hair you get your own space. Well, if you saw Klaus Kinsey, you would space him out a little bit too. You know you would. <sighs> oh, Klaus. <clears throat> but yeah, that movie would have been horse like just. Oh horrible so <laughs> yeah real bad mm-hmm. it worked out great that uh, James Robard got like in mimic fucking illnesses and couldn't mm-hmm. and it was uh, was not allowed to come back it worked out great for the best yeah uh, yeah. yeah I think pretty good pretty good so so Klaus Kinski got to do all the roles because Mick Jagger's character just got removed which is good and uh so he's it's him the the cook uh mm-hmm or choco, choco, or something like that. But a choco is that what you just said? No, but her her kk her kk her kk okay. Yeah, the, okay. the cook and uh, the engineer. So it's the four of them. Uh, they get abandoned by the crew mm-hmm. who like just mm-hmm. take take off back down yep. the river. They're like fuck this because there's lots of drum sounds and chanting and stuff going on in the jungle, and they're like, oh boy, we're now, in, now, an invisible enemy. And now now we're up to it up to our necks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they cross they cross a boundary and then suddenly these people just appear behind them and then these trees start getting sent down falling from cliff sides into the water and you go huh and then my mind like when you see like the the vegetation being just torn up like crazy uh, later in the movie I was thinking about uh, Amazonian uh, clear cutting <laughs> That that was going on, uh, yeah. Most recently, um, and you go, huh? But I'm like, you know, this jungle looks like it could take care of itself. I feel like the growth periods are pretty rapid for what for what they're doing. This is uh, mm-hmm. to a limited scale, so we'll just hand wave that. Um, because yeah, cinema, RJ, cinema. Well, art isn't real, Jared. <laughs> uh, I've a great man once told me that. I know, I know. He's not with us anymore. Uh, well. Uh, wherever he is, I hope it's a better place. No. No. So uh, we get to the, the, the site that uh, uh, Fitzcarraldo wants to get his boat up this hill. He's like, oh, look at that. It's not that bad. It's not that high. <laughs> and uh, he, he strikes a deal with the, the tribe that's there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I mean, they broker a deal. And it's mostly Kinski-based no. because uh, – 
they see him as the white god. He he drinks that fermented saliva. Oh, Masato. Yeah. Holy fuck! I have, I'm with Kinski, <laughs> where uh, it's like Kinski refused to drink it. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't drink that shit either. Which, like, I realize, you know, different different place, different culture, but uh, <laughs> different the, strokes. I, different strokes, but I. The last thing I want to consume is something that spent an entire day in like several other people's mouths. It's not for me. Not not for me. It's, it's, it's not your thing. Uh, no. Would you drink some Masato if no. it was offered? No. Oh. <laughs> but do you ever? I guess did... if if my life depended on it. Um... Because if I offended someone, they'd kill me. I, I suppose uh, my hands are tied. Well, it seems like, uh, I mean, they almost killed Kinski, right? Um, in the or they mo- offered in, in, to. In, in the movie? No, in <laughs> or, real life. Or in real life, yeah. Yeah, bit. they offered to. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, of course, there's this idea that, like, well, they they, they view this vessel sort of a, mm-hmm. maje- a majestic object. And this and this is about like vying dreams. It turns out. So there's some, uh, you know, will they? Won't they? Will they be able to get this boat up? We got this uh, block and turny. Is that the right word for it? block and tackle system? We're going to drag this boat up. Uh, we're going to uh, utilize this group of people to help achieve the goal and yank mm-hmm. it all up. Uh, there's some failing there some people die from cables breaking but they start all over again with a little bit of innovation from the cook they run it through um and they they they, we get the the majesty rj of a of a ship a 360 ton steam engine truck truck boat being pulled up the side of this mountain face with some creative angles well yeah if the bodies fall just Put him in the mud, uh, like Qatar with the uh, the FIFA World Cup thing. You know, when the bodies fall, just seal them into the wall. Keep going. Keep <laughs> on building. Keep on building. Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know. I, I I don't know anything about this. You don't know about that? No. Okay, I'll tell you off air. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, a, a dream achieved. They, they've he's done it. He's he's going to be up to his neck and rubber before you know it and then the money's going to come and he's going to be operating all over the place yes but but the chief's got other plans everybody gets liquored up on saliva Mm -hmm. um and everyone goes back to the boat pass out and then uh the people cut the ropes and send the boat down the river toward those rapids, the Pongo. Yeah, one is Pongo, and the other one is uh, she. I don't remember. Don't matter. Yeah. So it goes a it goes a sailing down, and that's fun. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a cool scene. Yeah. That cameraman got his hand cut up pretty good. Yep. One was flying. Everyone goes flying. Yep. Uh, and uh, you have your director and actor who are doing first aid. Because fuck, we don't have a we don't have uh, insurance. No, well, I mean they're they're down in the jungle for four years, yeah. man. Like yeah, on and off, just them out there. No, yeah. yeah, there was no one else, it, no one else. But then it turns out that this was this was the chief's dream. 
This was this was his his goal was to make a sacrifice to the river to alleviate the the pallor hanging over the uh, this area and to lift up these negative spirits. Well, I think it was the collective dream, Jared. The right? collective dream. One led one dream is another man's other dream, <laughs> and so Fitzcarraldo's sad. But you know what? This isn't a sad bastard movie because he he takes disaster and turns it around and turns into a a moral victory. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some. I think he, it... he chomps down on that big giant cigar pretty proudly. He does. He gets. He gets. He gets a, a kind of opera. Well, I mean, it's all. It's he gets an opera, and I mean, I, I think I, I really like the conversations. Uh, it's very Herzog, you know, the futility of things, and I like the story he tells, where it's just like, well, what'd you get out of it? He's like, I was there. That's it. Yeah. You you saw it. It happened. But that's all. Can't take it. You can't take it with you, Jarrett. Which I think is a good lesson for life. Mm-hmm. Right, Jarrett. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you, buddy. So, yeah, that's uh, Fitzcarraldo. Kind of a, a brief overlook. Sure. It. Uh, and then then what we're actually here to talk about is the the film in the Criterion Collection, Burden of Dreams, the uh, documentary film by Les Blank. Blank. <laughs> Les Blanks. Les... I, I, I can't call him Blanks. I want to call him Blanks, but it's Les like Blanks. Bobby Blanks, the Bowflex guy, or what? Tybo. Bo- Tybo. Yeah. Do you remember Bobby Blanks? Yeah, I do. All right. So Good. Les Blank, uh, he got he got brought in to uh, shoot some documentary footage of this arborist process that's been going on for years at this point. Um, I guess at some point they had met in Los Angeles at some festivals, hanging out, palling around. Um, Werner Herzog made a bet with Errol Morris to, that, uh, to mm-hmm. make Gates of Heaven, and Les Blank shows up, and he's going to make the documentary about Werner Herzog eating his shoes. Um, Would you do it? Eat my own shoe? if I made... Would I make that bet? No. What I don't, would the bet I don't be make bets. For, between us for the creeps? Like... What would be something reasonable enough that you'd just be like, yeah, if that were to ever happen, if we ever got endorsed by Criterion, would you eat your own shoe? I would watch Star Trek Voyager. That's not enough. <laughs> Isn't not it? Enough. Isn't it? It's not. You, you can know. pick the shoe. No. I'm, I'm fine. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 didn't, I really didn't get a sense of what he was doing with that. Because we did watch that documentary. It's on the It's on the DVD. And, and it's on, I'm assuming, is it on the channel? It is. Yeah. Okay. That's where I watched it. And it's, it's a nice short boy. It's only 20 minutes. But uh, yeah, no, I, because I saw it on there too. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I know, like I know about this. And then I watched it and then I was like, why wasn't this attached to uh, Gates of Heaven? Why is this part of Burden of Dreams? But uh, you, you filled me in on, uh, on that whole uh, yeah. lights kind of well, thing cause, and cause now, timing and stuff. But. Yeah, because now you'd be right, because Gates of Heaven is now part of the Criterion yeah. Collection. But Which I when, think they should go with, yeah. Yes. But, I mean, it fills in – it kind of checks both boxes, I think. It could go – It's the be, middle ground, I guess. Yeah. And then, because I mean, now there's also a less blank uh, set that also came out. It's like a, a couple of his short films or something like that are all in there. That's way mm-hmm. later. Well, see, I think too, in though in this, and I'd, I've never seen Gates of Heaven, but I feel like there's scenes from Gates of Heaven in this thing. Yeah, well, yes, 
there is. Yeah. And, and like, because <laughs> it was after the fact, I guess. Yeah. But then they had the rights to show the scenes, but not to include. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess because well, it wasn't part of criteria. Okay. Yeah. Well, because they have to use outtakes. They have to use outtakes from yeah. Gates of Heaven at the time. Yeah. Because yeah. MGM had the rights at the time gotcha. to Gates of Heaven. And now yeah. Criterion has access to the MGM library because nobody does anything with that stuff. So everyone can do it. Any company that wants to pay has access to whatever gotcha. they want, from my understanding, guessing. So anyway, gotcha. burden of dreams. Uh, mm-hmm. They make this documentary about Werner Herzog eating a shoe because he lost a bet because he's an honorable man. And this is where, if you watch this first, if you wanted to watch these things in chronological order, mm-hmm. um, and then, I mean, Burden of Dreams gets kind of made concurrent with, obviously, Fitzcarraldo, because it's a making-of documentary. Uh, and Because they come in late, though. They, they're not there at the beginning, in 1979, when production began. But no, is that true? Well, so it was before they started filming Fitzcarraldo, because uh, some of the scenes, because he talks about how a lot of the local people, or not even the locals, like the the neighboring like the well, feuding locals well, were spreading the rumors that they were going to like, they were destroying stuff and they were filming things that was like breaking down the environment. But they're like, but it's not true. Cause we haven't even started filming yet. So well, it was during pre-production. Well, because the, the first area, cause I think the history of Fitzcarraldo, it's very plagued. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people always kind of mention like hearts of darkness and apocalypse now, as far as like all these movies about um, madness and rivers mm-hmm. and having really difficult uh, shooting histories. Yeah. So here you had, like, I think the first location they had uh, fell into a civil war amongst tribes, which resulted amongst the tribes that were in that particular location, resulting in them needing to move like 1,200 miles downriver. So they had to find a new location, start over there. And then they shot a movie, 80% completed. And then they had to scrap that because of illnesses. And, uh, you know, always, always have to mention that. Uh, Mick Jagger had to go uh, do a tour for Tattoo You. Everyone loves Tattoo You, don't they? What is Tattoo You? The Rolling Stones album. Oh, I'm not a Rolling Stones fan. Uh, so well, They show it in the documentary. They do? Yeah, they show, they show the album art and everything. Oh, oh, no, I remember seeing it, but uh, as uh, you learned when we watched uh, whatever the fuck the Rolling Stones thing give, was. Give me shelter. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Rolling Stones fan. So I think when they were talking about that, I, I was watching, but I was like, mm, I'm not going to put this into my memory bank. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. But, uh, yeah, no, I I mean, as we said earlier, for the best, because uh, those few scenes they showed uh, were absolute shit. So, uh, yep. yeah, that, that for the a, best. That would have been a bad movie. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. Sucked. So, anyway. Yeah. So, anywho. Uh, yeah, so the movie just, like, picks up with the various production elements of Werner Herzog navigating, working Mm -hmm. with, uh, indigenous actors from Mm -hmm. the area, and, Mm -hmm. uh, also how the employment works, uh, and you get his observations (laughs) about these Mm -hmm. people, describing them as lions (laughs) at one point, Mm -hmm. which is like, hmm... So they're. It's a... uh, well, I mean, what he's just saying, he's like, they're, these, they're, they're a force, mm-hmm. right? Yes. In a yes. sense. Yeah. <laughs> that was how I took it. Yeah, uh, it's like often one has to go. Oh, of course he's using an animal. 
to describe people uh, that he well, also views as uh, I don't know. There's there's gonna, there's, there's going to be some that way. <sighs> he might not. I, I, I more took it like you know a lion is like a proud animal kind of, or that's how we've anthro- anthropomorphized the animal as being like a proud uh, but uh, fierce like. The thing is, we, but, but we also anthropomize uh, <laughs> the other as being I, like proud animals. Indigenous folk. Yeah. I see. Yeah, there's 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 a there's a, there's a history there that I think yeah. I don't know if Werner Herzog would use those words now, uh, or if this is this is a window, a snapshot into the early '80s of a of a German man who might ha- who has probably some uh, idyllic ideas of foreign cultures and like looking for I don't know. This is like something that goes back in centuries. There's like a you know you know you know Paul Gauguin you know that painter you know about Who? you know about Tahiti I know Degas you know Degas well I know Degas well, is that the same thing? well you got there you got Gauguin and he's a guy he's about primitivism just like a uh, old Picasso all these guys they're they they love to get back to to a purity of of humanity and they like they're like well mm. what, what Western man can no longer represent that so let us go. Im- <laughs> Find people on the edges of the world and uh, f- and 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 do something with that, and like find my art in there. He, he's part of that. It's a, it's a long line of uh, that, and one could could uh, pursue that and be critical of uh, Herzog being part of that legacy. But I don't know. I feel like if that's there. Um, I don't know. I, if, I, I don't know if he, I don't know if it was just about the color blue. Oh well, that's he had a blue phase, RJ. Is that not the same thing? No, he had he had a, he had a moment. That he, yeah, they all have moments. All those guys, they have people have red moments, green moments, lily pads. Um, what's a lily pad? <laughs> ask your wife. I don't know. She would know. She I'll might. ask her. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. So anyway, um, yes. So we have Werner Herzog kind of do the uh, Euro man stuff when it comes to talking about these people. But at the same time, uh, he – it could be worse. <laughs> I, I think I – Well, think, I, I mean, I think yeah. the, the, one, the one thing that I would say in terms of in favor of Herzog is he's – appreciative right where well maybe not that's not the right word he's he seems like he's he's trying right like Mm -hmm. and he seems like uh he's not trying to like belittle or manipulate these people or anything like that it doesn't seem at least i don't know if it's just because he's he's the one that's mostly directing things yes and they're like i mean they're talking about how much they're paying uh, they're paying like yes. you know, double wages or whatever. And they're like, okay, so they're yeah. making this much an hour, which is a lot of money. Uh, yep. They find people in and yeah. they're accommodating, uh, you know, as far as like, hey, uh, these guys, some of these guys, they're, they're, they're getting horny <laughs> and there's going to be problems if we don't take mm-hmm. care of it because they're going to go looking. 
And so we got we got to solve this problem. And, they, and of course, they have you know they, they have a priest. They have a Catholic priest. Herzog tells us, who of course you have a Catholic priest telling you about what indigenous <laughs> people want because th- this is how this is the history of shit. This is colonialism, all right. And he's like, well, you got to do this. This is what they need. And you go, uh huh. And so Herzog talks about we got some ladies. <laughs> we got some ladies here, and we have like probably like one of the, the probably. The what the fuck moment for me amongst maybe some others I'll come up, but when like I'm assuming it's less blank. Ask the you know the sex worker, do you enjoy your job? <laughs> and she's like, no, I need money. And you're like, yeah, dumb dumb. Like holy fuck, what an idiot this guy. Like what is what a stupid fucking question. Jared, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Doing this podcast, do you enjoy your job? No. <laughs> is that a stupid question um well i'm podcasting uh yeah here in the comfort of your own home yeah, yeah i got my mini figs here i can yep. uh live pretty prosperously i don't have to have sex with strange men unless you want to <sighs> do i does is choice is am i consenting legally yes potentially but yeah there's a there's no, some I, there's some questions it's, it's a very it's, it's an extremely stupid question and i was like what yeah. though like good lord but i was kind of skimming uh that this less blank uh interview on vice from like 2009 and this guy i don't know I mean, he seems like again a piece of his generation so is less blank related to mel blank I mel blanc no different different spelling rj okay well, I mean, but it sounds the same. Blanc. And, and that's all that really matters. Yeah, there is some there's some questionable dialogue in this thing. But uh, I do, as I said, I don't know. It could just be because the people telling the tale are the ones who shape it in certain ways. But it mm-hmm. does seem like Werner mm-hmm. is for the people. Yeah, I th- yes. For well, the course, most part, well, I think he, he's oh, there yeah. for for, no. for the right reason. Yeah. It seems there's like weird things, right? Because like because he, he talks about the impact. He doesn't want to impact them, and I'm like, what does that mean? I guess like because he's making this mm-hmm. choice. It's kind of like is this Star Trek Prime Directive stuff? <laughs> but at the same time, we're like, we're making uh. movies. <laughs> and you're like, is this too? Is it is it too late for that? Are you now like now you're going to withhold? information because mm-hmm. oh we don't want to corrupt them anymore so what does that mean uh it's now choices are being made on behalf of people once again it's it's fucked like once you're in yeah. it it's like hard to get out and this is uh this is the world we're in because <laughs> there's like it isn't it's, yeah. it's 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 i don't think there's going to be any real winning it's kind of just dealing with a bad situation and so this is like that's like a small part of this but it's also an important yeah. part because like when you see the scale of this and like the the risks of like oh yeah these cable when you have the engineer like setting up the contraption to move the boat up the mountain and they're like oh yeah people could die there's like a 30 percent chance that this works and mm-hmm. if it doesn't there's gonna be people who die and you're like interesting and then like even the people who are there um they're like, uh, yeah, you know what? I think the the leader should be like there on the front ground, ready to be killed as well. And I don't really question whether or not Herzog's gonna like. There's a thing that people talk about with Herzog is he's got kind of a death wish. When, uh, when, when, yeah, I think so. When, when he's going out on top of mountains or like vol- literally volcanoes that are erupting, and you're like, huh? Yeah, he could, he could be dead. Um, but I mean, he's still he's still here. <laughs> 
he hasn't he hasn't died um so he's been unsuccessful in that regard i guess if that's the part of the romanticism that one wants to attach to Werner herzog i mean i get it no i get it like he like i think in herzog's mind his big thing is that chaos is or nature is chaos and uh it's unforgiving and (laughs) every all is misery all is suffering and he's like so probably no one wants to end their own life yeah so that scene which is probably the most iconic scene from burden of dreams that i think now exists on the internet uh it's just him in front of that giant fern and the Mm -hmm. quotes talking about the bird's the bird singing sounds like screams of agony. <laughs> so apparently that was almost like a, that's a recreation of other conversations that uh Les Blank was part of with him. Like they were on a, can- they were on a canoe somewhere and they were looking up at the stars and he's like, Oh man, look how beautiful the stars look. And then Herzog just went and on. He's like, it looks like a mess. And then he just started going off and he was like, huh? He's like, well, I want this on camera. So he kind of like, prompted the interview and like kind of led it that way to because Herzog mm-hmm. just like these are things that are in his mind like people don't just like come up with this stuff like they this mm-hmm. becomes rehearsed this is um oh god i think i remember when i was reading about um oscar wilde like the, the one of the jokes with him is always that like oh he's like brilliant like he, this guy like how could anyone come up with this many like witticisms and uh this this dialogue and like no one can be this fucking clever and obviously mm-hmm. he was but at the same time he has like a list, probably much longer than our average RJ. Um, I have and, a good size list. Yeah, yeah. Um, of witticisms. And then there's people who have a, a, a ridiculous amount, but at the same time, if you've been around it long enough, you've heard you've heard them all. And I think like I her, I mean Herzog, when he's doing this, like his diatribe on nature and like humanity, uh, and you see a little bit of that in. Her, uh, Herzog each his shoes where he's talking about like the dearth of images and the death of cultures mm-hmm. and like in humans will die culture dies without images we need new images like he's very focused about this image talk which I feel like felt like actually very much a concern of like fine art in the 70s uh, mm-hmm. but, but new image painting was a thing and so he's talking like that which I think he would object to strongly because he is very uh, anti-academic he's a man who went to film school uh, basically got kicked out but stole his camera on his way out and uh, just like I said never looked back and he hates that if you listen to these commentary tracks he does with I think it's Norman Green Norman Green like posits like a thoughtful uh, comment about what the movie's what the movie's about or what Herzog might be saying and Herzog's like no, Norman. <laughs> it, it's really funny because Her, uh, mm-hmm. Herzog's got like this amazing voice, and mm-hmm. he, he and he does express himself uh, very interestingly, uh, and like unlike other people, he doesn't talk like regular human beings. I guess fair to say. Do you think he talks like me? No, no one, no, one, no, that... no, no one can talk like you, RJ. So. What you mean by that is I'm kind of in a similar ballpark as Warren Herzog because no one talks like Warren Herzog. I'd say you're in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. I think him and I would be friends. Like if if I had an honest opportunity to hang out with him for like a couple hours, I think him and I would be buds. Would you take a bullet for him? If it was a cancer bullet, yeah. Ooh, shit. (laughs) But that'd be the only way. If it was a normal one, nah. Nah. What What about an arrow through the throat? Uh, I would, but only if he would promise to give it to his son afterwards, because his son might get a kick out of the fact that the arrow had been through a man. Mm-hmm. 
which I uh, I screenshot because I thought that was one of the most striking things in the uh, <laughs> in uh, the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's like, will you keep that? Uh, maybe for my young son. Mm-hmm. He, he may, especially if he know, especially when he finds out it was shot. It was in a man. <laughs> it was through a man, and then you go, okay. <laughs> You go. That's good. Yeah. I'm I'm on board with this. Oh, I mean, I, I can't even believe at this point I haven't even mentioned uh, Herzog running around in uh, his like short shorts. Smoke. Oh yeah, he looks good. Herzog <laughs> was a good looking young dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like the mustache. Mm-hmm. I like the way he he's just kind of there doing his thing. <laughs> you think you think when he was filming, he was like, "Stand back, let Daddy do his thing," and he was just kind of in the mo in the mood kind of thing, you know, in the zone. Mm-hmm. You think that's how it went down? I do, personally, but it's just me, man. It's just me. I think we would have been friends. <laughs> would have, he's, not, he's still alive. You could still be friends. I know, but I feel like my opportunity's gone. I don't think I'll... I don't know if I'll get there anymore, you know? I don't know if I'll ever meet the man. Unless yeah. people who listen to the podcast make, make it happen. Make it happen? Yeah, I think that's the only way it's going to happen. So... I think he would appreciate my butts and dumps attitude towards yeah. things. So the movie gets made, and the movie kind of, and then Burn of Dreams ends. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like that's just the conclusion of like, hey, the it basically ends with the boat got up the hill, and that's that's good. We're we're ready, we're done. Like that's the that's the climax. Is yep. Uh, her, uh, Wern, Werner gets his dream achieved. It is it, we have went to what is it? Uh, like you success successfully made it to completion. Or yeah. what yeah. is the phrasing there, you know? And then, then it's a wrap. Yep. Yeah, they did it. The collective dream has been achieved. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so watching Burn of Dreams again, like, it, I find it, thinking about it in terms of by itself, I can't. I can't think of it with this movie in, as a mm-hmm. documentary by itself. I don't think it I don't know if it works by itself as a standalone thing. I think it's so integral to watch Fitch Caraldo with this. That they yeah. become they become they become companions, yeah. Uh, which I think is which which is really unique. I think because there, there's no making ofs that work that way. <laughs> I think that they, because I think Burn of Dreams does add to the quality of Fitzcarraldo, and vice yeah. versa. But yeah. I think Fitzcarraldo you could watch by itself and never watch Burn of Dreams. But if you know both exist, it'd be like oh well, you have to watch both. You have to both you have to see both versions of the story. Mm. Is there a documentary of capes? Uh, there's Speaking not. Of, well, I mean, it, it's it's it is it's in itself. A it is in itself. It is I, a document of a time and place. Okay. Yeah. Of uh, it's very, very dogma ninety five. Ooh, is it? Can you do the rest of the podcast in a Herzog accent? Well, like maybe do uh, Danish. <laughs> I don't think so. I'd have to I'd have to ask a Dane listener. Say, hey, how's this? How's this? What's this sound like? Is, maybe maybe a little bit further north. Is Mads Mikkelsen Danish? Yeah, he is. There you yeah. go. So do a Mads <laughs> talk about Will. Just that's my Danish. <laughs> wow! Wow! I wasn't, uh, I wasn't expecting that. RJ. Yeah. What did you think of Burden of Dreams? Okay, first up, Fitzcarraldo. That shit's tight. Yeah. Okay. I, I was like, despite the, uh, the animal death boogaloo. Well, yeah. it's not too crazy. I mean, it's there's a there, there's a snake that gets got, and then there's yeah. and then in Burden of Dreams we get that parrot 
But I mean, yeah, the, the parents I mean, of all grizzly. That's a little like, oh damn, this is some cannibal Holocaust. Uh, like, mm-hmm. like the parents are really cool, smart birds, and uh, what, mm-hmm. what? But fuck, they, those are real nice feathers. And then we get a spare feather getting carried away by that ant. And what, what a, what a great image. And that's the sort of thing that uh, Werner's all about is like those mm-hmm. little like spot checks. And of course, like that was less blank too. But that is like, I feel. Cause you've seen, have you seen Bad Lieutenant? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, so there's like shots of yeah. just like lizards and stuff like that. I actually, I th- I think you really need to watch Bad Lieutenant, the uh, the Nick Cage version. The I mean, Port Call so New Orleans. Here's my stance with Herzog. I feel like I completely am on level with how he interprets the world, and I honestly like I'm not I'm not just being dumb right now. I actually do. <laughs> Go on. I I actually like when he. Like listening to him talk, I'm like, I feel the same way that you do about so many things. And I don't think that's a unique, uh, like, or an original thought. Like, I'm sure a lot of people feel like they're like, yeah, man, me and Werner think the same. But Mm -hmm. I do, I really, I really connect with uh, his his ideas about nature and the brutality of things and, and like all that kind of stuff. So I really like that. But I also feel like, he includes it in his movies because of that. And it's sometimes it's too much for me. Like, even though I, I think that, and I feel those things actually seeing it is sometimes overwhelming for me. Like, especially with like the animal stuff, there's nothing too bad in Fitzcarraldo or a uh, bird in the dreams. The snake gets it. And the, pa- the parrot one was like, Ugh. but uh, mm-hmm. it's like, that's it's how the fucking world is, man. So uh, I do get it. But uh, bad loot, I, I have put off watching other Herzog stuff for that reason, because it's like the potential is always there. But uh, I'll, I'll give Bad Lieutenant a watch if you recommend it. Um, why, why not? Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, we'll, we'll throw that son of a bitch on. But anyways, uh, yeah, I, I really like Fitzgeraldo. I actually really like the uh, uh, the opera stuff. And I, I think the ending is like, like I, I really like... Uh, because it really, I like how we have this big kind of push towards all this stuff. And then it, not that it amounts to nothing, but it's kind of like, like I've said a few times, the futility of things where it's just like, it's kind of like, it fits into my who gives a shit kind of mentality. It's like, you did it and it's done and that's for you now, but that's all it is. And that's life. So you might as well enjoy have a cigar, listen to your opera, and, and some, some might move say on. that it's uh, part of the delusion of uh, of the the white man, the savior of the Amazon, because everyone comes to sure. like, applaud him. <laughs> and, uh, and, and... Well, yeah, I don't I don't care for the crowd in there. I more like well, I mean, like the character is like self involved into a certain sense, but I if it was me. I would have just brought the opera down, and I would have enjoyed well, it myself. I, I, I wouldn't I, have let anyone I, come watch. I do think there is a uh, some some pretty thick irony that it's like a it's a it's like Wagner. What is it Wagner? Like the Puritans, yeah. which is like I mean, uh, there's no there's a self awareness of the absurdity of the whole thing because it's like oh yeah, it's like this German pl- play uh, opera presented as the Puritans of like mm-hmm. these are people. Well, in yeah, and you know that's very intentional, like, or yeah. should be, should but, be, but uh, should be. 
Um, but yeah, like I mean, Fitzcarraldo itself, like uh, I think the um, the like pulley and lever system that they set up is like it's pretty fucking wild to see. Uh, even though like like I mean, they did it for the movie, but it's like they still did that all that stuff. It's Fitzcarraldo's a it's a cool cool movie. I like it. Um, and then Bird in the Dreams is just oops. Uh, Bird in the Dreams is just uh, I feel like icing on that cake where it just like it just makes it better Jesus I'm I'm really like knocking shit over over here simmer down Uh, Bird in the Dreams is icing on top of that Uh, because as I kind of just already said because now you get now you get get first you get Werner's vision and then you get mm -hmm. the man (laughs) and then you get the man and then him just like being blunt about things he's like and then this happened then they threw arrows at some people and then they chased these people away. And then I don't want to do this anymore, but I'm here. And then I'm like, I get this. I, I, I get it. Uh, I think a lot of the interesting parts of burdens of, uh, burden of dreams. It's as you kind of said, it's these, uh, mon, not even monologues, but like these kind of structured thoughts, thoughts that he's been saying to people that he's practiced and he he's very he's definitely like he's fine tuned it, taking out all the shit. And he's like, this is what I think about this thing. And it's just his thoughts on certain topics. And a lot of them are connected to Fitzcarraldo, but a lot of them are just general generalized things. So he's talking about the uh, like the indigenous people in the areas and then cultural things, Western media and stuff like that. And it's all connected back to it, but they're all also like, you could take it on its own. I, I think like some of his dialogue, at least you could take it on its own and just use it wherever. So it is all connected back, but that's the stuff that really stood out to me was just, just him talking about shit. Yeah. Like, uh, he's like, this is what I think. This is what, what it is. Uh, I, I do think the only thing, the only thing I think missing from Burden of Dreams is the Klaus Kinski stuff, which yes. we get in in the other movie we watched. His but, his, doc, uh, his his documentary, his documentary that Herzog made. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing that I think was missing because, like, mm-hmm. watching Burden of Dreams, I was like, Klaus Kinski doesn't seem that like crazy. It's like he's definitely a a like a different duck. Mm-hmm. But like I was like I don't know he doesn't seem that crazy yeah and then watching uh, which is interesting best. that they play it down so much it or it seems like they're selecting not to focus or they're not making show or they're honing in on what they thought was like the main drive and they're like oh, I'm not going to leave this Kinsky stuff in but now like that would be like this major focus of like a modern documentary would be actors are nuts <laughs> and like they had a meltdown on set like here's christian bale here's tom cruise all for yeah. losing it and like that's just what we expect and so burden of dreams is like ah uh, we're not going to it's like why did he why did they choose not to include any of that i don't know they don't show it at all like i didn't think there's barely any klaus kinski stuff in burden of dreams but it's like it's like here's the word it's the Werner herzog show it's like what does this guy think kind of stuff so so you know as i've been sitting here i've been thinking about like a critique of herzog and it kind of just it just kind of came to me and like i still like Werner herzog stuff but uh i was thinking about this in terms of um kind of the the flaw i think in the way that he thinks of what he's doing so i remember like years ago i actually wrote a paper on on the sublime 
nerd. Uh, and I and I did use Herzog as a topic of it, and I was kind of just mm-hmm. doing just thinking about him in terms of Casper David Friedrich, uh, mm-hmm. you, you, which is a painting that everyone has seen, or whatever they call it, like the Wanderer or whatever. And it's this like blonde guy with his back turned towards you, with his cane, with wanderlust, as he looks mm-hmm. out onto the this mountainous, beautiful landscape. And oh yeah, okay. So there's that. That's like this yeah. big iconic painting, and like you look at all these Casper David Friedrich paintings, they're amazing they're gorgeous um and they they influence like landscape as like a genre as uh it's just like you know it's prevalent everywhere and i think in film it becomes far more easy to access because you often need to establish mood and setting and when you're making Mm -hmm. movies it's like a you're going to you know probably reference visual culture which uh you know it's going to be paintings, paintings for a long, long time. So as a little bit of a history lesson, RJ, um, there was I didn't a sign up for that. I know. So uh, one of the weird things about Canadian art, Canadian landscape art, we have the group of seven. Uh, we had these guys who are all like coming from England or their entire understanding of painting is landscape of British landscape, but they want to create a okay. new image of a, of a unique vision of Canadian art. And so they, un, they just start thinking, we're going to make things look a particular way, but all of it is laden with references to recent, like to the genre that's acceptable within their own like backgrounds. Since like, you know, mm-hmm. these are all like Canadians, but they're all like just recently from England or all the paintings that they're looking at are English. And so they're looking at everything in terms of those things. And then they're trying to do that, but, and then change it on sort of like a slightly abstract level, but it's like, all they're really doing is looking at what Americans are already doing, like James Whistler. And they start to start playing around with the surface Mm-hmm. And they're like, but they're trying to present it back to the English, and then the English go, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> this, this, what is this? What's this crap?" Uh, but it's like funny because like there's this pitch is like, "This is new. This is new." And I mm-hmm. think about like uh, Werner, like in My Best Fiend, uh, there's that thing where he's talking about that sh- amazing, amazing shot from a Gary Rathagod of like the, mm-hmm. uh, the progression of the uh, conquistadors walking down the hill and wrapping back up. And he's talking about, this is the image. This is the image that will stick in your mind and haunt you forever. And mm-hmm. it's like, it is, it's a beautiful image, but it's because we have a reference for it because it is like the, like the sublime, uh, like landscape image. It's a painting. Okay. Like, it looks like it. So it's not like this new image at all. It's an amusing, it's, but it's an amazing image. But mm-hmm. this presentation that oh I'm gonna I'm gonna offer up these things that no one's ever seen before and you're like okay but like so he's got a boat going up the side of a mountain in the jungle but it's but it's beautiful <laughs> and like yeah. and and he's like drawing on this like uh, you know depicting uh, the world before man came to it before it destroyed and once again it's kind of coming back to these like ideas that like paint like artists painters have been doing for hundreds of years and mm. so it's not like he's kind of falling into the same trap of that but he's also bringing um some nihilism to his philosophy of the of nature uh which is like mm. which i think is what people actually have gravitated the most toward because i don't know how many people are popping on aguirre wrath of god these days i fucking love that movie i it, it's like it's the part of that narrative is like i don't know so great it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a weird spooky movie mm. um and yeah it's yeah, it's it. it uh, I love the aesthetics of like so, so much of it, and it's made for like so little money. It's it's amazing, great, great, it's, great thing. And then sorry, 
no, nah, you keep going. Keep okay. going. Uh, and then, I mean, Fitzcarraldo is kind of the second piece of this uh, mm. of the colonial um, trilogy because there's a third mm-hmm. movie that also is very little played in My Best Fiend, which is Cobra Verde, which I've only seen yeah. the, I've only seen the one time, and I remember actually liking it uh, fairly well because I kind of went in thinking like, well, no one talks about this. It just seems to be like this like abandoned movie, like because in the documentary there's no footage really of it outside of like oh here's the thing where uh uh Werner's teaching uh Klaus how to walk and here's a man who had uh polio and like <laughs> and that's about it and there's a scene where like they're doing a like a, a raid and it's kind of just mm-hmm. offhand like it's very like little attention given to this movie nobody talks about it but i remember it's been a while maybe it's uh cringier <laughs> than uh the other two uh in terms of like its depiction of uh colonial life but Anyway, Cobra Verde is. Uh, it might. It could be. I don't know. I guess it's been, you know, it's eighteen years since I've seen it, and it's it's very vague in my mind. Other than I remember being like, "This is pretty good. This is actually a pretty solid movie." It, feels it more... uh, it was on the channel at one point, but I'm just looking right now. It doesn't look like it's on here anymore. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So that's too bad. Yeah, it'll it'll come back. Yeah. I was gonna say, uh, it's an interesting dive through history that you just gave us jared on the what is it the um what's that one the something and the sublime do you know those two words that oh uh (laughs) you know what i mean this thing that people say in reviews all the time (laughs) anyways uh when did you write that paper oh god uh, yeah yeah probably like 2008 or something like that did you get a good mark uh yeah i don't probably i don't know probably are you, are you thinking like the, the 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 beautiful and the sublime i guess for some reason i thought it was like something like weirder like the fart and the sublime but mm. i guess that i don't think that's what it is the butts yeah because it's just a terror uh that could be what it was actually an, um, an, an unimmensable or a kind of unfathomable thing that you try to hold into your mind and try to capture, yeah. but it, it, yeah, it, but then it becomes terrifying. It's kind of like uh, the terror, yeah. like the terror, uh, the the, tele- the, the, the the television show based on oh. the, the Dan Simon's novel. Yeah, uh, the Ar- I, the I Arctic thought, has those vibes. There's things where you, you start say this podcast when, when one starts. Uh, positing themselves in these spaces and uh i don't know i mean that's definitely part of it i think i i, I mean this is this is again I, I these are coming these are things coming to me as i'm sitting here the ramblings of a madman yeah yeah i one thing i was gonna say but it wasn't worth interrupting for it was uh agiri is a very good movie except for uh those monkeys Mon- getting tossed around. Monkeys some, well, and then that, that's close. That horse that gets pushed into the uh, river. That's uh, a, <laughs> except for those two things, that mm-hmm. is a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they do push a horse into a river, and that's doesn't seem great. <laughs> oh, wasn't the horse an asshole though? I think. Well, I did, mean, did, was the horse? A- did, 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 he was asking, for, his... or was he asking for it? Or was well, I mean, the way he was dressed, I guess, probably mm-hmm. with his little conquistador outfit, potentially. Uh, no, that's that's interesting. Oh, I didn't think of it like that. I, I, this is just thinking. I mean, yeah, one, one could uh, 
put put old uh, Werner through the ringer. I think so, the Reach. one the one thing I'm curious about too is like, hey, you know, there's like that saying, like, hey, they made a deal that uh, the production company will help the people with their uh, land claim. And then, like, it ever happened? I, I, it might have, it might have played out because I mean, they, it's that's like nineteen eighty. Um, I was kind of trying to find out. Uh, so the the, the Ashenika Ashenika people, I think they they make up like less than two percent of the population of Peru. There's a very small okay. group, uh, and it sounds like they're. I think they're. It got better because up until like mm-hmm. 1974, it was fuck you. So I think that was like a recent thing that was happening as they were making that film. So I mean, yeah. they, it's but it's not the topic really of the of the documentary. They they're putting it in there, but they're also making a making of the film, um, and also focusing on the people that are there because you get that that scene with the uh, the the fight between the sisters and knives being drawn. Yeah, and it's like a, <laughs> you get like I, sort of the interest those interstitial moments of like life goes on here <laughs> like it's not just like it's not just this moment caught in amber where it's like oh we must keep them preserved it's like no they're gonna go like live life like after you leave they're, 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 there's this movie and it's like pretty like weird because when you're watching the footage you're like fuck that was that's right this is like Fitzcarraldo is a movie, but it really mm-hmm. it feels like they've traveled in time and like it, it does. Yeah, it, it, they achieve that uh, feeling pretty well. So k- kudos to Herzog for hitting for seeking his uh, quote unquote authenticity and pure purity of image. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone could ever ever. Oh, but the end of the movie though, all, say, the, or efficiently that, say that but he's that not a that thing. shit goes out the window at the end. Where just like I don't know, like uh, when the uh, the opera uh, people show up, like with their motorboats mm-hmm. and the sideburns, and uh, you're like, oh, I see. Now we're back to uh, 1981. To uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Anna Maybe Anna Karina. Yeah. The uh, the official simp of the uh, Criterion universe, mm-hmm. or simping for. So, um, my best fiend. So wait, 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 wait. Yeah, sorry. Was that actually called my best fiend? Yes. Oh, it is. <laughs> I fucking I never read the title. I thought it was my best friend <laughs> the entire time. But my best fiend is way more fitting. Mm-hmm. Way more fitting. Uh, yeah, this is a wild ride down the uh the herzog train i I do think that uh so the only thing here is like it very clearly and like herzog is up front where he's just like yeah we he's like we had a strange relationship where it's like we we fed off of each other very well but we also hated each other and he's like so it's kind of a back and forth kind of give and take he's like we worked great together we loved each other but we hated each other, but we loved each other. So then a lot of the things he does say, I think you have to kind of take with a bit of a, a grain of salt where it's just like, well, like Herzog has very openly said, he's like, yeah, he's like, he drove me crazy. So he, like, he's definitely biased in his kind of viewpoint of Kinski, but also Klaus Kinski looked pretty wild. Like mm-hmm. uh, he was up to some pretty, uh, pretty weird stuff. Well, yeah, there's to a degree. Well, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll save it till uh, the end here, but or maybe just say it now. So th- the one thing about old Klaus Kinski, and I, I find this 
weird. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I vividly remember back in 2013 when Revelations came out uh, via his oldest daughter saying that my dad, Klaus Kinski, raped me like all the time oh. from age 5 to 19. I didn't and, know any of that. Yeah, and this does not stick to old Klaus Kinski at all. This does not, like, I, I see people on Twitter who go, oh, I love Kinski, and they go, Kinski, and people are all, they all love him, and she wrote a book, Expose, and of course, it's what it is uh, in terms of, like, oh, you're going after a dead man, and you're like, eh. Well, what's the, well, I mean, I think that gives more weight to claims because it's like, what's to be gained from it then? Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, this is just this person telling, yeah. telling the truth. Uh, and even like, like, so Natasha Kinski, his okay. uh, other daughter, she is kind of like, yeah, I support my sister. He like, she's like, yeah. no one's surprised. Like, it's kind of like you hear yeah. that and you go, oh my God, <laughs> like that's horrifying. Cause that yeah, man no is good. not a, does not seem like a, a, a sane Man, diagnosable. I think it's like that. Get that word gets tossed around quite a bit uh, in terms of Kinski. So, so because yeah. what year did uh, my best fiend come out? Ninety nine. Okay. So yeah, the I don't know how. I mean, how close Herzog and Kinski actually were outside of making movies together, and were they palling around at Telluride, and were they hanging out back at home and stuff like that, or is this just like I don't weird, think so. Weird dark secrets of you know yeah. weird. Tales it, of incest and yeah. stuff like that. And you go, oh, mm-hmm. but it's like for whatever reason, this that that part of uh, the Kinski, and it's on Wikipedia. It's not like secret knowledge. You type it in uh, to Google, and there's like the article, but like, no one talks about it. Uh, with the meat, like, I remember uh, there was like that fucking Rotten Apples website that started that where you could type in the name of a movie and it would name accused people. Klaus Kinski mm-hmm. never got brought up. He just he skates right below the radar think, of significance for people. Do you think people just don't care? Uh, they might just not know. Yeah. And I well, know. I didn't know. Yeah, I don't think most people do know. Well, it's kind of like a what's his name? The one I just uh, thought he was a weird doc. There, there's the uh, the Canadian filmmaker, a French Canadian guy, Claude Jutra. Jutra. He mm. um, so he's he's been dead since 1986, and in 2016, uh, which was kind of more in the uh, window of uh, Me Too, I guess. Uh, there was uh, allegations that he had sexually abused children during his uh, time, mm. and so. The, the response to that was kind of like, we're going to take his name off of streets named for him as one of our most celebrated directors uh, in in Quebec. Is that enough? Yeah. So, I mean, but they, they did. They they were pretty quick on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Here it is. Um, uh, 30 years after Jutra's death, journalist Yves Lever uh, wrote in the book Claude Jutra biography and claimed that Jutra was a pederast. Lever said oh. that one of Jutra's victims was under 14 years old, et cetera, et cetera. This was never proven in court. This just became, like, accepted, and that was the end of it because mm. he's not around anymore. So I don't know how people are going to talk about um, his movies, like uh, which we will be talking about one day um, mm. with uh, Mon-, Mon Uncle Antoine. Uh, but he did direct a Is that movie. an Antoine Donnell movie? Uh, not quite. But, he, I mean, okay. he, he did direct a movie called The Rape of a Sweet Young Girl. Um, maybe it's not my brand some, of films, so, but some, okay. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about Klaus Kinski, and we're talking sure. about my best fiend. So yeah, this just like different duck. So this like fills in like kind of like how long they've known one another that they like were in the same boarding house at one time, and then it's like it hits on uh, Aguirre, it hits on 
Nosferatu, and then it expands upon uh, Fitzcarraldo, and like how like his amping up anger is fully on display. Yeah. 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 Well, he he's amping up. He's amping up all right. I do, I do like the uh, stories of uh, uh, when he's just like, yeah, he's like, Kinski lived here. He uh, he one time raged in the bathroom for 48 hours. I didn't think it was possible. We smashed up shit real good. Real good. And you're like, man, Kinski had a lot of anger. There's that scene, too, where he like he full on swords that dude, the uh, extra oh, yeah. in the head. And you're just like, holy shit, he was trying to kill that guy. <laughs> What are you doing, Kinski? Maybe he thought he was gonna he would get away with it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure he did. It was an accident. <laughs> uh, he says I was in character. No. Yeah. And Klaus. Who would you describe as the Canadian Klaus Kinski? I'm not talking about California Klaus Kinski. I'm talking about Canadian Klaus Kinski. I see. Uh Elias Coteas. <laughs> With, with sure without the accusations okay that works yeah yeah so my best fiend uh you told me to watch this and yep. i was like okay um no there's no, just, no, no better time to watch it than now no better time it was uh like i mean it's just more good Herzog in my opinion where i just like listening to Herzog talk honestly mm. and uh it's like i said i don't we didn't get a ton of Kinski stuff in Burden of Dreams, which is probably for the best, I guess. Um, but you get it all here, and then uh, this really paints the picture. Where we're like, man, Kinski was crazy. <laughs> like he he was a wild, he was a wild man, wild and crazy guy. And a couple wild and crazy guys. Uh, yeah, he had some. I think he had some probably some some issues that mm. could have should have been. Uh, treated but uh addressed <laughs> it wasn't it's not what happened in the time so uh they, ju- they just said hey why don't you uh use that for acting yeah but yeah i don't know but uh i liked uh my my best fiend nope yeah this is uh i guess another more, just more good stuff and mother this is an example of kind of a late late phase herzog kind of the because his 90s is kind of in this weird nebulous space. And then this, I think kicks off like where he becomes like Herzog 2.0 for people. Mm-hmm. And then people start watching his movies again and they're on DVD and the novelty of how Herzog expresses himself, I think settles in. At least that's my experience. Cause I mean, this mm-hmm. also aligns with me becoming aware of Werner Herzog because uh, Roger Ebert's writing his uh, great movies list and the gear a shot pops up. I'm reading Danny Perry's cult movies list, and I see a Gary's in there, and I'm like, who's this Werner Herzog guy? What type of movies does he make? And these, these are some weird-looking movies, very uh, desaturated and off and German. <laughs> well, they're very German, to say the least. No. To say the very least. Mm-hmm. On it, I don't know. I was going to say something about German people, but maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. Do we have any German listeners? Probably not. <laughs> not sure just a lithuanian one that's all that's all uh yeah. well oh, man we've been talking for a bit you want you want to talk about who, who hates burden of dreams sure there's some, there's i can some, imagine there's, there's some short ones some long ones everything in between just like you and me that's right uh first off we're gonna go with dz stroke zero one five okay half star the lowest rating there is okay 
privileged white man uses free slave labor, it wasn't free, of indigenous mm. peoples to fill his ego. Racism in a nutshell. I mean, I don't really agree with that at all. Because I mean, they paid them, they, they claim to pay them, but I'm sure, and I, I have no, uh, I have no, I have no reason to question it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good point. They could say whatever they want. Yes, but um, I don't know. I don't really buy this person because they gave Walkabout five stars, mm. and I feel like they're saying one thing with one hand and doing another <laughs> thing with the other. Do you know what I mean? Because uh-huh. uh, that did, 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 oh, I can't, I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't I don't know about this person. They they don't have a ton of films watched to be honest, but uh, the walkabout thing stands out to me. So I don't trust you, person. Yeah. Um, next, we're gonna go John Latour, one okay. star. This is the long one. Oh, this boy. documentary is a behind the scenes look at the production of Werner Herzog's Fitzcarraldo and all of the difficulties faced by the director and his crew as they strive to bring Herzog's vision to life along the Amazon River. Having been impressed by the final product, this making of didn't strike me as much most of what was covered was evident by the finished film but there were certain things like more details about the native tribes and their social structure that could only come across this way there's also some extra footage of jason robards as fitzcarraldo before robards fell ill and mcjager had to go on the tattoo you tour with the stones robards was eventually replaced by klaus kinski and jagger's role was com- cut completely comparing the two is a no-brainer robards looked completely out of his element during the bell tower scene and i mm-hmm. and i'd have chosen kinski over robards jagger any day of the week sorry jason you're just not crazy enough the mm-hmm. biggest disappointment of all is the lack of anything with regards to kinski more than a passing note we don't get any interviews with him we see none of his off-camera temper next to nothing of that sort at all watching my best fiend i know uh what went on and to see blank completely skip over it all misses a good part of the story and is a tremendous shame there's some onset insight by Herzog as he describes his motivations and desires for the marathon production, but other than that, I found myself bored at what this film had to offer. My suggestion is to watch Fitzcarraldo instead, listen to the commentary after viewing the feature, and then perhaps take in My Best Fiend instead of tracking this disappointing documentary down. I mean, I think it's too bad that this person doesn't like the doc. Yeah, they I... have They have good points, but I feel like but one star. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, their ratings are a little bit wacky. Um, they watch a lot of horror and they're a fan of a horror podcast. It's clearly not ghoul school. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Their, their ratings are a little bit all over. Like they have good ratings of five star films, but then they, they also gave Midsommar five stars and then one star films like they one starred Prince of Darkness like the Carpenter Prince of Darkness. And it's like, really? And then they once starred the Frighteners. And I don't know where you sit on the Frighteners, but I Whoa. think the Frighteners is pretty sick. Like not one star for sure. So I don't know. It's just, They just watch a ton of horror. One star for the new Suspiria. So it's like, it's not bad. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> I don't know. They're a little bit all over the place. So uh, I've got one more for you. And this is like okay. near the bottom of the first page. Joe Kinzo, two and a half stars. Totally real name. Documentary about a megalomaniac who fancies himself an, an important artist. Making a film about a megalomaniac who fancies himself an opera fan. If you can slog through the arrogance and triviality, there's a lot of pretty scenery. 
This is a, a lot from a person who gave the lighthouse a half a star, Jarrett. Open and shut. And they, they also gave Maximum Overdrive a half a star. And then only five five-star films, one of them being Hamlet. That's right. The Lawrence Olivier Hamlet, Jarrett. Oof. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and uh, Trouble in Paradise. That's right. The Lubitsch Touch. They gave five stars. So weird, weird stuff here. I don't know. I don't trust any of these people. Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't trust them. Not I mean, good. The evidence suggests not to, uh, not to trust. Not good. Not good. But I don't know where I sit. I thought Burning Dreams was pretty sick. Pretty I. Pretty I. Pretty I. Not bad. Not bad stuff. Not bad. Not bad stuff. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Um, well, yep. this has been a long, long run here. Yeah, this was a long one. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, Burden of Dreams? The Herzog package? I liked it. I mean, uh, our review, I think, is a little bit more encompassing than Burden of Dreams on its own, which is good. As a whole, <laughs> no. I think Werner Herzog is a cool guy. Cool. I think him and I would be friends, as I said. Cool guy. Cool guy. Yeah. After the break, we got the episode to the end, and then mm-hmm. uh, SoundCloud deleted it because it had a dream of its own of being free of people talking about Werner Herzog, and we'll never be friends with him. I might be. Maybe. RJ, if Werner Herzog wanted to make a movie in your backyard and he wanted you to help, but he wasn't prepared to pay you, um, and he might need use of your cats. Hmm. In, in Klaus Kinsey's back, <laughs> he's alive again, and uh, he might be in proximity. What would, what would you What would you say about that? Are you going to be friends still? If it was just Herzog, no, yes. and Klaus, no zombie Klaus, the, no. the, the the chop rapist. <laughs> I would, and, I would and have to cat, cat monkey tosser. Yeah. I, if Kinski was even in the country, I would have to decline. Okay. If I heard Kinski was in Canada, I would lock my doors immediately. I'd just be like, Mm-mm. the potential for this guy to be anywhere is always possible. <laughs> he's gonna, no good. He's going to get you. He, he clearly look, did. Look, look at those cats. <laughs> they look like they could be thrown far. Just... Give it a good squish and toss it. Yeah, Kinski was a bad dude. <laughs> you, uh, hey, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. Uh, I'm Jared Duncan. iTunes. He's Barnloaf. iTunes. Dungles. Dungles. Google, Google Plays. Stitcher. Yeah. SoundCloud. Patreon. Barnlows, YouTube. Dun- Duncans. F- do you fear 
for your life when Klaus Kinski comes for you? Let us know. You better. You better. If you're if you don't, you you haven't been paying attention. I, I think he has a prissy pants though, because even like the yeah, I think it was like the 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 tribes people. They were kind of like we weren't really afraid of him. We, we were more worried about Herzog being really quiet. <laughs> Well, Herzog has that inner evil, or not evil, but like you're just like this guy's got the potential to do anything. How could, I, stuff. How, how could I have him dispatched of? I'm dispatched of. Yeah, but Herzog, Herzog even said he's like Kinski was a coward. He's like, <laughs> and I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, we get it, Herzog. You you could, you you're, could do anything you're, you're, to anyone. You're, you're the big dog. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. We get it. Next week, Spawn yeah. two hundred and eighty-eight. Jonathan Frakes, F for Frakes from 1973. If I mean I, I just saw on my phone I I have a image from Rob Eagle. It's a he. It shows that he sent a photo. Do you think he is ahead of the curve? Do you think he has potentially given us an F for Frakes? Uh, I don't know. It's possible. Well, anything's he, possible. He scares me. He does scare me. Yeah, if 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 when I open this, when we finish, if it's not F for Freaks, I'm sure we'll get one in about six to seven hours. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, next week Orson Welles F for Fake. It's about deception and the con, and is is definitely about art isn't real. Well, art isn't real, right? Like, like off the charts, art isn't real, RJ. Off the charts. Yeah, I know. What do you? Th- what, I, what I've been telling you for years. You'll see. You'll uh, see. Uh, Good night. Uh, fart.